Hey everybody, welcome to episode 22 of the podcast that goes Nick. I'm your host, Jason Minimal, and I am joined again by special co-host Cameron Sinclair to talk about X-Men 94 and 95, X-Men Dies. Alright, we'll hop to it. Um, remember, of course, that I'm a member of the Comic Podcast Network, so go check that out. And, um, Alright, well here we go. Okay, so here we are. I'm your host, Jason Barely Literate Venable, and I'm joined once again with special co-host Cameron Herfrosh Sinclair. What's going on? Not much. How are you tonight? I'm pretty good. Good. All right, so we're going to cover two issues for you tonight. Uh, I'm going to keep going in kind of in order of Wolverine's legacy, his uh, past appearances. So our flashback tonight will be X-Men 94 and 95. So, first up, of course, will be 94, which will be the Doomsmith scenario. And this is written by Chris Claremont, which of note is his first full issue of X-Men. It was plotted partially by Lynn Wine, who, of course, wrote Giant Size, like we talked about last time. The art is by Dave Cockrum, the letters are by Tom Orzakowski. Colorist is Glennis Oliver. And that's all you need to know. So, uh, we'll talk about the original cover first. I'm reading the uh, classic X-Men number two. But the original cover has a very pale Count Nefaria giant head in the background. And he says, X-Men, you came thinking Count Nefaria. Instead, you have found only death. And the Blackbird's blowing up and all the X-Men are falling out of the sky. There should and, be an evil laugh there, though. That's, yes! Missed the, missed the <laughs> yeah, boat on that, I think. That. Um, and, of course, that cover is by Gil Kane. Uh, what do you think about the Gil Kane original cover? I like it. Do it's you? pretty good. I think um, Cyclops looks a little weird. But otherwise... Is this... Yeah, his head's in a weird place. It looks like he's gotten smushed somehow. <laughs> he broke his neck. <laughs> yeah. I like the, the top, the all-new, all-different X-Men. Oh, that's true, because we're returning back to publication for the X-Men. Yeah. So. And it sounds like this is this comic takes place days after Giant Size, so... Right, yeah. So, yeah, all right. So, uh, the classic X-Men cover, of course, is by Arthur Adams... And I don't, if someone else intercolored it, I don't see the credits. So we'll just say it's by Arthur Adams. <laughs> and it actually more mimics 
the original cover to 95 as far as like what it's copying but um there's a reason that classic x-men 3 is different so i guess they just bumped this cover up but it has count nefario's enemen facing off against the x-men in some kind of metal hall and of course i've said before i'm a big arthur anderson i really dug this cover quite a bit so anything to add on that <laughs> no both both very good covers I, that one's well better is not the right word but it definitely fits the comic more, I guess. Right. At least shows you more about what's about to happen. Exactly. Cool. All right, so let's dive right in. So we have Chapter 1, The Doomsmith Scenario. And Professor X has called all 13 of his X-Men down to the lobby. And Chris Claremont, classic Chris Claremont narration in the uh, narrative box. I was just real fast. Were you confused on what was going on in this first picture, or were you pretty much groovy to it the whole time? Well, I, I guess I figured. I didn't really think of it other than his face looking weird. Well, I was trying to figure out why he was a different color. Like, I, yeah. I didn't realize he, like... He's remembering this. Or well, something. no, no, it's a, it's a mirror, and that's his real head. or No, that's his oh. reflection, and they're all reflected. And then the the pale one is him, like, facing us. And then we're seeing the back of his head in the mirror and the X-Men in front of him, right? So they're behind us. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it it looked kind of strange. Yeah, okay, all right. (laughs) I didn't even notice the bald head over there. I I just thought he was... But again, there's a 70s staple of of people breaking their necks. Nightcrawler looks like he just got wrung out like a rag doll. Um Anyway, uh, we get some classic Claremontian script. It says, It begins with an ending and perhaps the breaking of a man's heart. This man's heart, the heart of Charles Xavier, as he faces the students, new and old, of his school for gifted youngsters. Thirteen mutants born with fantastic powers that set them apart from the rest of humanity, who comprise a team of superheroes, the Uncanny X-Men. Very elaborate. Yes, but that's that's. Claremont at his best. Um, so we see the uh, Professor X is kind of, uh, he's gathered all the mutants together to talk about being the X-Men. He's proud of them for defeating Krakoa. But of course, Sunfire's like, nope, I'm out of here. And he takes off. Um, What's up with his mask? Does it look like a squid to you? Well, it still looks like Merman to me. Merman, yeah. <laughs> That's a weird mask. Yeah, it's a very strange mask. I'm assuming he grew up with one of those Japanese goldfish ponds. I was really <laughs> fascinated with that. And so that's that's where that came from. Yeah, that, that sounds good. As he says he agreed to help the professor once, but now he's out. So Professor X, I think, brought everybody down here with a lot of confidence. Like, hey, let's get everybody, let's have an X-Men party. And then right out the gate, Sunfire crashes all his dreams. He does, which begs the question that we asked when we did Giant Sides X-Men. Why is Sunfire such a dick all the time? I don't know. Probably because his goldfish pond, <laughs> all the goldfish died when he was really little. And uh, so he decided to carry on their memory through his, his costume. And he hates everybody because someone, you know, what's the deal with goldfish if you leave the food in there too long or something? I don't they know. Die? I don't know. I just think it's weird because I, I guess I don't get the... 
it's almost like, why did they even include him in the first place? <laughs> like, wh- why did they call him in in giant size if they were just going to have him be a jerk and then immediately leave on the second page of the next issue? So Div- what was the point of him being there? Diversity. He didn't do anything. He shot sunfire at things. I don't think so. I don't think he did anything except pout and say about how everyone was wasting his time. Well, yes. I think Claremont just and Lynn Wine. Actually, I think Lynn Wine probably intended to use him and Claremont is writing him out. <laughs> that, may, that may be the case, actually. So anyway, Professor X kind of gets downcast. He's like, oh, well, I see. Do any of the rest of you want to leave? <laughs> Thunderbird, Nightcrawler, Colossus. Starts calling out all the new X-Men. <laughs> Colossus like, I don't know. And Storm says she's intrigued. And she goes, she basically says, we haven't really been here long enough to know how this is going to work, so I'll try it out. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. And Wolverine's like, what the hey, Storm? Which is weird that he says, what the hey, Storm? Like he's challenging her, but then he agrees with her. So I thought that was kind of weird. I thought that was weird too. But um, it sure beats sitting around Alpha Base waiting for a go call. And so Sunfire bids him adieu. <laughs> I love this. Because he flies off and the ground beneath him, that's like airplane height. Okay? You <laughs> it's know way up in the sky. Yeah, you know when you're flying and you look out the, if you're lucky enough to get a window seat and you look out the window and you're flying over Kansas or whatever, you see you can see all the fields like in their squares. So Sunfire is up at that height where you can see that behind him and he's still yelling at the X-Men. <laughs> Or they can possibly hear him. He's like, should you need this samurai's help again, do not seek me out. Do not ask. For Sunfire will refuse. And it's kind of hear the, like Wolverine maybe can still hear him barely with his heightened hearing. I guess Professor X could still hear him maybe. Yeah. Well, telepathically. Telepathically. So I guess then Professor X turns to Banshee. And, um, Good riddance though, I got to say. For yeah. Some, some yeah. Fire. <laughs> I'm not, not sad at all about him being gone. But he asked Banshee if he's going to stay. And we get some more really thick dialect. I won't lie to you, Professor. I like it here. That's the truth. I won't lie to myself either. Your X-Men are all young people, students. Me, I'm a barely literate (laughs) (laughs) ex-cop. And like it or not, there's some gray among the Banshee's golden hair. It's been grand, but it's time I was moving on. And Professor X, twice in as many issues... Just uses some simple reverse psychology to get his way. Like, he doesn't even need to be a master (laughs) telepath. He can just, like, Dr. Phil these guys, and they're like, oh, okay. But I thought it was kind of weird, because he says, well, first of all, he's kind of funny, because he says, rubbish, your hair's about as gray as mine, which is funny, because he has no hair. Yeah. But then he says, and your brain's a fraction keener. Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think so. Professor X has like one of the best brains on the planet and uh, this barely illiterate ex-cop is not going to be smarter than him. Yeah. But if these young people are too much of a challenge for you, no, I didn't say that, did I? Since when does the Banshee ever refuse a challenge? He <laughs> <laughs> <You> got me. <laughs> and so Cyclops says, well, you have friends here too and it'd be nice to belong. So... Banshee shakes his hand very elaborately. Yeah, it's a very dramatic handshaking. <laughs> and so, and Professor X is now feeling smug again. He's like, good, that's all settled. 
But then Angel walks up and says, I'm afraid it isn't settled, Professor. And then he looks dumb in that panel. <laughs> he looks really strange. He looks really old. He looks sleepy, too. <laughs> he just woke up. Yeah. Like, so basically, the angel says that the old X-Men are leaving. They're pulling out. <laughs> Which Norm MacDonald has ruined me. <laughs> and I can never hear the phrase pulling out without thinking of dirty work. Yeah. The, the guys in the hospital are like, that's back before we had that fancy birth control, like, pulling out. <laughs> that's classic. And Professor X is shocked because I guess he wasn't reading their minds. <laughs> but this is what I was going to throw in there in this question here. Professor okay. X looks so shocked in this panel here. But didn't he talk to Jean Grey about leaving? Didn't but, she say okay. they were going to leave? But that was in the extra scene. Okay. Are you right. sure? Uh, well, I don't have the issue with me right here, but... Well, you're not prepared. Wasn't it? Or was it in the, was it in the original print? I thought it was at the end of the original print. Oh. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Right, well, I don't remember. But either way, in the continuity... No, maybe you're right. You're in right. In the continuity we in have the... now, yes, it doesn't make sense. You're right. That was in the extra one. Because he was all spying on everybody. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He was watching everybody. <laughs> but yes, he's definitely shocked. But then Jean comes in and says, we were children when you took us in, Professor, scared and uncertain about who and what we were. You taught us to, you taught us, helped us realize our full potential. You helped us grow up. And that's just it. We've grown up. We're not children anymore, Professor. We have to live our own lives now. And it looks like Professor X is having a heart attack. (laughs) I think he's just holding his hand out, but with the perspective, it looks like he's clutching his chest. Yeah, it looks like he's doing the doing the Sanford and Son, right? The Red Fox. Then Wolverine mad because his new girlfriend is leaving. (laughs) Says, "Look, lady, you guys want out that battery? Then go split, take off. What do we care?" And why is he so mad about it? He doesn't even like any of the old people. He's pissed because he's losing Gene. (laughs) I guess. I guess that's it. Just the Gene. Yeah, he feels spurned. He thought he was gonna get her. And then Iceman gets mad because Wolverine's mad. So Iceman fights and Cyclops gets between them. And then we get our first bub. Yeah. So that was really cool. So Wolverine says, in a picture where he's smiling and he pops his claws and he's smiling from ear to ear. He goes, come on, try it, bub. I never carved up an icicle before. <laughs> yeah, that's good. a good shot. And then Cyclops yells at Wolverine, says he's out of line. Put your claws away and calm down, and you'll have to deal with me. And uh, basically, Wolverine says, well, big talk, boss man. Anytime you want to try, mister, I'll be ready. And then Havoc, I guess, not to alleviate the tension, but not really to do anything. <laughs> he just kind of walks up out of nowhere and is like, uh, Scotty, I don't want to push, your, push you, brother, but uh, what are you going to do? Are you coming with us or staying? And of course, Cyclops doesn't know. And so Cyclops has a tormented night. He stays awake all night roaming the halls of the mansion. And he yells at the ceiling about his cursed mutant energy blasting eyes. It talks about how all the other original X-Men can go out and filter into society, but he can't. I, I thought this was a strange one because then I thought... 
Is this before they introduced the ruby sunglasses that he wears a bunch in the 90s? I don't think so. Because I was thinking, other than the goggles, no, he I... can just look normal in society. Yeah, I mean, this but is... maybe they hadn't no, done the sunglasses. No, but this is back when Cyclops is still super worried about being in, in control of his powers. Yeah. Like any any minute now, someone's going to bump into him and knock off his glasses. He's going to kill everybody. Yeah. And he so, is worried about that. But I guess to just, but, uh, but that, that question of the ruby sunglasses, is this, has he worn those before? Do you I know? I think so. Because um, I don't remember. I, I, I'm, pre- yeah, I'm pretty sure that the, in the 60s, they went out in their civvies. Did they? Okay. So. Because it seems to me with that in mind, then. He can't blend in. I mean, right. he can blend in because he just, yeah, just his he looks on. like he has weird glasses on. Right. I mean, because it's like, I mean, it's not like he's Nightcrawler, glasses. you know, right. or Beast or any of those guys. I mean, yeah, he, and that was part of the whole cool thing about the new X Men is how they don't all look normal. Right. But all the old X Men do. Now, of course, you have to buy the the angel stuffing his wings under his uh, sport coat. Yeah, his little suit. Right. And of course, Beast is blue by this point too. So. And yeah, he's but he's already gone. Man, he's on the Avengers. Yeah, he's not around anymore. So. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird. He's making this dramatic about how he can't blend in with society. It's like right. you know, you're you're not Nightcrawler. I mean, you can you can still put on some shades and look look like a dude with red glasses. It's not like uh, yeah. But I think I think though he talks more about his fear. He says you yeah. dare not forget because if he does, someone might get killed. True. And then he goes. Killed by my eyes, my cursed mutant energy blasting <laughs> eyes. Ah, and yells and I do think that panel was kind of cool because he's in the shadow and you get the little window silhouette, and then he's not really doing anything, but you get kind of a fake like shadow of pink behind him, kind of represent yeah. his optic blast, even though he's not shooting. So I thought that was a really cool panel. Yeah, it is a cool panel. Kind of dramatic. <laughs> But still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, he's cursing his eyes, which is a dramatic yes. scene. So, deserves a dramatic panel. Right. But I think it's funny because later when Cable comes around, you know, one of his dumb phrases that he used to say all the time in the in the '90s was "stab my eyes." Yeah, that's right. So, so like father, like son. I guess <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Anyway, so Cyclops wants to keep his flair for the dramatic, but he can't just let the X-Men leave. He has to greet them downstairs in his uniform. (laughs) The X-Men all come out. They're all rested, and they're in their civvies, and they have their luggage packed. And then we get more drama because he confronts Jean to tell her goodbye. And he tells her he has to stay, and she says, But I thought you would, but... I'd hoped. <laughs> and she's all like, what? Why? You're not coming with me? And he's, he tells her that he's an X-Man, pure and simple. This is my home where I belong. She says, where you belong, Scott, but not me, not anymore. And then they make out. He tells her he loves her, which is important. And True. she confesses her love back. And then she is gone. And the man called Cyclops is alone, and he's staring at the floor as Jean walks out. She also had a cowboy hat, which we should... Is that a cowboy hat? I feel like we should comment on that. It is a cowboy hat. It's the 70s, so... I was just thinking it was like an Eastern kind of hat, but no, that's definitely a cowboy hat. it's a straight-up 70s cowboy hat. Yeah, wow. Urban cowboy, or the... What is it? 
Was that the the uh, what's his name movie? Urban Cowboy. John Travolta. John Travolta. I believe so. Yeah. Urban Cowboy. Anyway. Yeah. This is not a John Travolta podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So then, in corny fashion, all the new X Men go out in the porch and wave goodbye as the old X Men drive off. I thought it was funny because it says how it talks about how heartfelt the goodbye was. Right. And I was like, they all pretty much hate each other and met like a week ago, <laughs> or less than that, or less really. than that. And yeah. it was, I thought that was really weird that it was like, oh, heartfelt goodbye. But I don't think so. But they had a battle together, and according to Chris Claremont, this is what he says. He says, for these people have fought together, faced death together, together, and that has forged a special bond among them, a bond that makes them comrades and, in a way, friends. That sounds like they fought for, like, years together, though. <laughs> no, no, they, they just, one fight. It was like one afternoon, they fought somebody, yeah, and know, then... If, if we go get in a fight, we'll be friends forever. I guess so. That's what happened in kindergarten. <laughs> you remember that, that what, the fight we had? When we took on the, the bullies, and that's why we've been friends ever since. We fight that squirrel that bit Dale Gower. <laughs> that's a hardcore inside joke. Yeah, it is. You should laugh. Or maybe you shouldn't. Anyway, I guess Scott's mad that his woman just left because he immediately takes it out on the new X-Men. That's like, what you do. As soon as the car is gone, they come back inside. He's like, all right, people, show's over. It's time. Professor Xavier's school for gifting young youngsters was a going concern again. That's what a lingo there. In time, you learn what it's all about being an X-Men. And so he points to the danger room, which has a big sign that says danger room. <laughs> Just in case. Right. I like how it's automatically assumed that the new X-Men... Like, I like this assumption that you can't hang out at the mansion in regular clothes. <laughs> the old X-Men knew Cyclops was staying because he was still in his uniform. And all the other X-Men who were just hanging out weren't going to leave. They're in their uniforms, like, all the time. Yeah. So apparently, if you're on campus at the school, your X-Men uniform is your school uniform. Maybe they just hadn't brought any clothes. Again, Maybe they not. just got yeah. there a week ago. So. Possibly. So anyway... Uh, Lesson one is how to stay alive. That's what the danger room is for. <laughs> to give you a second, maybe two, time, and the skill to take that time and use it to defeat your opponent. In a word, survive. Why? What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I thought that I got lost in that. He just talks too. and talks and talks. But um, anyway, the Cyclops. Uh, and of course, he opens the door, and there's an empty room with a door that says "exit" on the other side. <laughs> and Storm's like, room. "What? It's an empty room." And he says, "That's right, Storm. The object of the exercise is to cross the room, walk in this door, and out the other." And of course, our good friend Thunderbird goes off half cocked. He runs in the room, and I love the uh, the off-panel butt kicking he gets. <laughs> Where he walks into the room, we hear like lots of sound effects, and he's like, "What the? Hey, Lego!" <laughs> and then a pow, and he shot out the room. It was very cartoony. Yes, it was. it was. Yeah, yeah, very, very like Saturday morning cartoon. Like he, the guy goes off, and you just hear the noise, and you see him fly back into the panel. And then, of course, the lesson two: it's never as easy as it looks. 
And he talks about how the computer program will adjust to their progress. And then he's going to go to the observation booth and this big giant, what, what would you call this thing? I don't know. It's a big metal square attached to the, basically like the room, kind of reminds me of in Star Wars and the trash compactor. So I guess it's a compactor. Yeah, it's, it's a metal like compactor. That. And so it comes and the X-Men dive out of the way and Colossus armors up and note again that he lights up or glows when he turns into metal. And we get our first BAMP for Nightcrawler. He teleports with our sound effect. BAMP! Yeah, they didn't do that. In giant size, no. They had all the crazy... They talked about the sound and the smell. Yeah. But this is the first time we see BAMP. Yeah, so that's, that's really right. cool. That is cool. Um, then we get a CROMP. <laughs> And then I thought it was cool, uh, you know, because it's a Wolverine podcast. You know, we've seen Wolverine kind of have a bad attitude the whole time. But here, even though he's still kind of pissy about it, he actually shows, like, genuine concern for Colossus. Yeah, which, you know, they're, of, of all the X-Men, they're pretty close right. throughout. You know, they, they get along forever. You know, that really, Wolverine fights with a lot of different X-Men, but I don't think he ever fights with Colossus. No, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, Nightcrawler kind of plays out to be his best friend. Yeah. And But Colossus and Storm are probably the two closest of this team. And then, of course, Kitty Pride in a little bit. Will right. Be, but that's more of a, like, mental relationship. Right. So, this yeah. more of a friend, buddies. Yeah, so definitely Wolverine and Colossus have a nice long history. And he immediately asks Colossus if he's okay after, after he threatens Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I like it. We we have the Looney Tune like uh, <laughs> impression of Colossus in the wall. Yeah. And Banshee goes, "Be still, me heart. <laughs> you gave us a devil of a fright, Colossus." And then so we kind of uh, just get more scenes in training. And I thought it was cool because we have a uh, they call it Maneuver Seven. Yeah, I thought that too. I was trying to remember if that's what... I think they come up with a different name for it. The Fastball Special. That's right, the Fastball Special. The Fastball Special is something that shows up over and over again. And it's basically where Wolverine pops his claws and Colossus picks him up and throws him like a baseball. Yeah, and I like that even even though they call something different here, I like the fact that right off the bat, they've created this maneuver. Yes. Like this, this, uh, (laughs) It's funny that his name... It is funny that they have or, more than No, it's it. not funny this name. It's funny, I meant that it's numbered. Yeah. It's like maneuver seven. Well, what was one through six? Right. And, and they don't, this is the only maneuver they ever really do. So. <laughs> right. The other ones, I guess, were. We're to good. assume one through six was off panel. Maybe anyway. maybe one through six were attempts at things that didn't work. <laughs> and this was the seventh one. This is the one that actually finally worked. Maneuver one was uh, Wolverine jumps on Colossus's back and they play chicken with the robot. <laughs> Charge. What's maneuver? Right, you do maneuver two. Uh, maneuver two will be um, Wolverine tries to throw Colossus. <laughs> All right. Maneuver three. Um, uh, yeah, well, maneuver seven. <laughs> is for, is you can come back and edit ones in after you thought about it. Right, right. <laughs> Anyway, I thought it was really cool, just because as a, as a long-term X-Men fan, something we see over and over again, 
and it's cool to see that it was so early in the development. It, it goes to what yeah. you're saying too. The the relationship between Colossus and Wolverine is is set up very early. And we see all the other X Men using their powers. Um, I think it's interesting the way Cockrum draws Banshee's sonic scream. Yeah, I thought that was kind of odd too. In in the future is more of like it looks like sonar waves, right? Yeah. Or am I imagining that? No, wrong? I think you're right. And okay. they talk about it being sonar later, but right. This makes it. This panel looks more like a ray gun type. Yeah, like thing. a plasma type thing almost. But, but I also I really like Cochran's art with Nightcrawler. Kind of the uh, I don't know if people did this before or not, but I know at this point it was not common. I mean, it kind of became more common later. And the thing where you have like the the lightly colored, lightly penciled poses, and then Shadow you end versions. up with a full version to kind of show the motion. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Then of course we have uh, Thunderbird gets burned by a laser. Uh, basically talking about how Cyclops has been training them too hard and they're getting tired. <laughs> but um, of course he doesn't um, feel like he needs any help. Not And he calls Cyclops one eye again. And they get in a fight. And they really kind of get in each other's face. And Professor X has to interrupt them telepathically and says, Cyclops, Thunderbird, cease this disgraceful mis- display immediately. Thunderbird, report to the infirmary. As for you, Scott, I'll see you in my office. And then Thunderbird laments that <laughs> this is his last chance to ever get along with anybody, and he blew it. Which, uh, Thunderbird is very dramatic in this episode. <laughs> a lot I mean, of these, these X Men are very dramatic. Yeah. But Thunderbird's like. Soul searching dramatic. Yeah. And then Storm's just kind of looking over at him and he says, What's the matter, lady? It bothers you to work with a loser? <laughs> and Storm's like, I see no loser, John Proud star, in this room, which I don't know if there's supposed to be punctuation there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, there's a period, but I he stumbled over that too. Yeah. I see no loser, John Proud star. In this room, I see only a man. I guess, yeah. They, yeah. I would have put the sentence the other way around, but yeah. that's just me. Um, You're not African. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just I'm not Chris Claremont. I think they're just trying to make her sound different, sound <laughs> like her English was a bit awkward. Okay. I'm a pretty good fan of Dave Cochran. He's a classic X-Men artist. His consistency through these two issues on faces bothers me a little bit. Yeah, uh, and if, if you look at Professor X on page 10, he looks like a completely different person than he did on page one. Yeah, well, on page guess, one, he looks like an evil Russian spy. Well, not only that, but his head is very round, and here he's very slender. And his mouth, like, his cheeks are sunken in almost. Looks like Neymar right there. yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the the Cochran Professor X uh, eyebrows that oh, yeah. he gets. Well, even like the chin, you know, the kind of yeah. pointy chin there. Right. I don't know. So yeah, Prof- I agree. <laughs> so Professor X spouts some BS about their progress. He goes, "I've been reviewing the tele tele. How do you say that? Telemetry? Tele telemetry? Maybe? Telemetry? Yes. There you go. The X Men are progressing most satisfactorily." And, of course, Cyclops says that, yeah, they're doing pretty good, but he's run out of patience for Thunderbird. <laughs> he says, Wolverine's trouble enough. 
And we get a little insight about Wolverine. He goes, he seems to go out of his way to needle anyone in authority. The Thunderbirds are even worse. And I think this is really key here. He says, it's like they're in competition and Proud Star can't abide coming in second. Yeah. And then he kind of says, but it's also kind of my fault because I'm losing my temper. I don't have enough patience. Because his girlfriend left. Yeah, that's right. He's depressed. He's all sad. He's on edge. And angry. He's not. He hasn't had any. And who knows? I mean... It says they've been training for weeks, months. Is that what it says? I don't know. It's oh, been no. a while, though. No, it says days, the weeks of training. Yeah. So, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten any action in a couple of weeks. That He's could probably, have a you know, bearing on his temperament. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be, uh, be Thunderbird for a minute and make a one-eyed joke, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you can make your own, audience. <laughs> Insert joke here. Insert one eye not seeing my woman joke. <laughs> <laughs> Professor X, of course, understands how difficult. He, he lost his friends. Now he has a new team. He's got to mesh all their powers and personalities together, but he doesn't know them. And there's a lot for them to measure up to. But, um... Professor X wonders, or no, I'm sorry, Cyclops wonders if he's doing the right thing. He doesn't know if he's like, if his head's all the way in it, and maybe that's going to cost someone down the road. Maybe. Maybe. A little possible foreshadowing there. But he says, but if I devote all my energies to my job, what's left for Jean? I love her professor is leading the X-Men, even being an X-Men at all, worth losing her. I don't know what to do, which to choose. And Professor X, who's <laughs> just a douche here, he goes, <laughs> I shouldn't have let you stay, but I really need you. <laughs> <laughs> so we get in a side scene to uh, Scotland, and we see Mora, Moriah. How do you say that? Mor- Moira. Moriah? Moira. Okay. I think. And Ron Sinclair. Ah, one of your relatives. Yeah. I thought it was rain. Is it rain? I okay. That's just how I always said it. But hey, I don't know. I'm not Scottish. I think I have some Scottish in me, but not any more than I have anything else. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're Americans. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we see just kind of an aside to them. Basically, we find out that the Rainer Ron Sinclair lives with a priest who's very verbally abusive, and Moira Mo- Moira has gotten a letter from Professor X. And after all these years, he's sent for me. Like, she's just been waiting for an invitation. Isn't it interesting that, backing up from that last statement, that the the priest is really abusive here, but there's no hint that it's anything beyond him just being kind of a jerk. Right. But if this was written now. in the 1990s or yeah, now, yeah. there would I, be all kinds of sexual undertones. Yes. Especially since her, she has a boy haircut. Oh, yeah, especially. Because this is Wolfsbane, right? Yes, this will yeah. end up being Wolfsbane. I don't know how long from now that plays out, but I'm pretty sure Claremont knew. Cause I don't know why he would have introduced her if he did Well, she comes back. She comes in with New Mutants. Well, that's when she becomes like a regular cast member. But New Mutants is a ways off. So yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe she pops in and out before then. Yeah, I have to see it kind of as I read. Well, back. this leads leads you to believe there's going to be more with her as a child, her and Moira, right. and all that. So, right. 
Okay, so we'll then see. we see Storm flying around back at home. And we see Thunderbird, who has aged about 50 years. <laughs> Look how old he looks yeah. in that face. But he's trying to make some impossible jump. And Storm sees him and uses a giant gust of wind to blow him back. But he's mad. And then we find out something about Wolverine. Um, because he, he says he's competing. like He's, he's mad because he said Wolverine made the jump, so he has to make it too. Yeah. But then Storm says something interesting. She says, but his bro- his bones cannot break. So now we realize that maybe the... We don't really know yet if his bones are just really that strong or they're the same as his claws. So we haven't... That's true. They haven't really introduced anything right. about that yet. But regardless, we know that he has unbreakable bones. I think they do call him indestructible. Well, yeah. Earlier. It, yeah. So, yeah. But we don't know if it's but necessarily, why? like, we don't know about the bonding yet. Yeah. For all we know, is just his all mutant power has really strong bones. Right. So. Lots of calcium. But, but then Thunderbird says, anything he can do, and Storm calls him out, must you be the best at everything? <laughs> and then she says something about a knife owned to two keen an edge often shatters when used. Is that true? I don't know. You sharpen a knife too much as a break? Well, I guess the idea is that we get to so thin that it becomes brittle. Okay. If you keep sharpening it and sharpening it. I feel like uh, Proud Star. What I left out Proud Star. Yeah, Proud Star Proud or Star. Thunderbird. Yeah, Thunderbird, that's right. Sean Proud Star, Thunderbird. I feel like he, he, he's getting increasingly manic in this comic. Have you noticed that? So he keeps going back and forth between these crazy daring jumps to <laughs> I'm a loser and I, I've got to compete. I think it's all based on the same thing, though. Yeah, it is. The it's just, is he's it's trying to prove that he's as good as Wolverine. Right. It just feels like it's really intensifying, which, you know, I guess is also foreshadowing. So. Right. So I'm, well, a question that I want to kind of get to later, so maybe be thinking about it or look for it. Is Wolverine aware of this? Like massive competition between them, or is it all one-sided? I get the feeling it's one-sided because okay. you don't ever get Wolverine. Well, I know Wolverine doesn't feel like he needs to compete, but I'm wondering is he does right. he know that the Thunderbird is putting himself through this? Well, I think what I was going to say is I think if Wolverine knew, he would likely be jabbing at him a lot and okay. commenting about it. Whereas it doesn't, you don't really get any, hardly any interaction between the two of these. Right. Guys. Wolverine's right. just kind of doing his own badass oh. thing. Right. And Thunderbird wants to be him. Right. And you, yeah. And you kind of get the feeling, at least I, I got the feeling that this is, this is really, that's why I kind of said he's getting more manic. Cause right. it feels like this is really all just in his head. This well, yeah, is a giant I mean, struggle playing out in his mind. He is the guy with the lamest powers on the team. <laughs> That is true. I mean, I mean, really, what's his mutant power? His mutant power is to be a good warrior. Yeah. I mean, he has kind of strength and kind of a speed and agility. But he's not like Hulk or Colossus level. He's true. just kind of, he's stronger than your average man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move to chapter he's two. He's like Batman, basically. Well, he's probably a little bit stronger than Batman. Yeah, probably. But, but I mean, the idea of him not having any... Any particular power. It's mostly just him being a little better than everyone else. It's kind of weird that he's a mutant. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like he's just a really cool dude. And he comes to hang out with the mutants and suddenly he's not as cool yeah. anymore. They could have... It seems like it would have almost made more sense for him to be more like... 
uh, Black Panther, where it's more like kind of a or Brave Star, or Brave <laughs> Strength of the Bear, Speed of the Eagle, Eagle, or not more speed. like a, or like what they tried to do with Spider Man for a while there. Where it's, oh, the totem stuff yeah, with the JMS, stuff. yeah, like where it's more like a kind of a mystical. He just has this warrior power, right? Because yeah, the, the mutant. It's what what's the mutation? It's kind of. A, I guess. I mean, I guess I'm just saying. It, it's just funny that his his mutation is super strength, but he's not insanely strong. It's kind of cool, but it's kind of weird. I, I see where he would have an inferiority complex. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. All right, so chapter two, death over Valhalla High. <laughs> it's supposed to be make it sound like a high school. Is that? When I first saw that, I thought that was the added story at the end and it had something to do with the high school <laughs> i was like valhalla high and then i flipped through because i wasn't going to read it and then i was like oh no this is this is still the story wow yeah all right so we're in the rockies a dis- undisclosed military base called valhalla which you know what that means is that norse yeah that's the their heaven okay where all the all right so it's a really go. high mountain that reaches to the heavens and it's valhalla high um, yeah, it's a NORAD base. And so a guy gets a package, and he opens it, and there's a button that says, Press Me. So, of course, he does. <laughs> this is a pre-9-11. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't, it kind of shocks him, it looks like. And then the Animen come in. Who are so 80s. Yes. Well, the way... 70s, really. Or 70s, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. They're just... It's funny. But they're mutants or mutated people. Yeah, they're not mutants. They make that clear later. Yeah. But the the box disappears and opens a rip in the space-time continuum. And out pop the frogman, the gorilla man, the eagle girl, the dragonfly girl, and the cat man. I like how Chris Claremont describes it. He goes, The box disappears, leaving in its place a shimmering silver oval, a hole in the air, a rip in the fabric of space and time. In short, a portal. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he's aware that he's being incredibly wordy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool, though. I like it. Yeah. It's very, very old school comic book. Um, so basically, the Andamans come in and take over the control room. Uh, Catman has an orange beard, but then in the next panel, he has an orange beard and mustache. Yeah, his facial hair keeps changing. Right. Um, and why does he have a beard and a mustache? Because he's a Catman. I know, but it's not fur. He actually has a pronounced beard and mustache. <laughs> because before he turned into a cat, the guy had a beard and a mustache. He had a big old Portland beard <laughs> yeah. on this cat man. Yes. Anyway, they take over the room pretty quick. <laughs> then someone says, I had expected victory true, but not so great a route as this. I am proud of you. Well done, my animan. Well done. Then the stupid dragonfly lady's like, "What? Who speaks?" Because it's Cobra Commander. What? It's like she's like a snake. Yeah, but she's I a dragonfly. Know. I don't know what dragonflies, dragonflies hiss. Like. I, don't I don't think know, they maybe. make any sounds. I don't know. I don't know. Whenever never, I talk to dragonflies, talk? they never respond. <laughs> Who do you think dragonfly is? The boss, our lord and master. <laughs> and then Count Nefaria shows up. 
<laughs> and the frog's name is Croker, which sounds like a Ninja Turtle character. It does sound like a frog Ninja named Croker. Croker. He's also calls him Frogman. Yes. So I don't know if the Croker is a nickname Maybe. or if the Frogman's a nickname. But basically, when Count Nefaria tells them they better toe the line if they ever want to be human again. <laughs> yeah. They're loyal to him, but he's threatening them. Right. So then he starts lighting up his cigar. And he basically just explains his evil plan. <laughs> I like how to take the animator worried about the rest of the base. Oh, and he has an end ring. I didn't notice that. <laughs> I thought he has it was a big Zeke, ring yeah. with the name on his name on it. That's funny. Which let's let's take a moment here and ask the question. Count Nefaria is a pimp. Why is his name Count Nefaria and not Nefario? Nefaria sounds like a lady's <laughs> name. Yes, it does. Why would Nefario would be the masculine? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess he's a girly man. <laughs> he's a pimp. He's a pimp. And he lights up his cigar with a big cape, ring so. and his cape. Got <laughs> a monocle. I don't. I now I was gonna. I'm sorry for butchering this, but um, I don't remember if it was on Scarborough County or uh, Comedy Bang Bang when they talk about um. If you have a cape and you don't intend to fight crime, you might be a pimp. They're doing like, you might be a redneck jokes, but they're doing it. You might be a pimp. That's funny. Like, if you have a cape and you don't intend to fly. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I think it was uh, Squarbrook County, which is on Earwolf. Anybody wants to go check it out. It's a funny podcast. Um, I like how on this control panel... So all the enemies are worried about like the rest of the base. There's all these soldiers. There's a fully occupied base. But there's one button that Count Nefario can press, and every place in the base except for that room gets gassed. Yeah. It was very. There's there's several things that he does in here, that it's like why would that be? Why would that be possible <laughs> in this place? Very James Bond bad guy. And where did the gas come from? I guess from the he vents. bought it. No, no it wh- was. It was the natural, it's part of the defense system of the base. He just knew where the button was. All right. Because by pressing this button and flooding the mountain with anesthetic gas, I have neutralized this army you seem to fear so much. So then for no reason, I guess I got nervous. The eagle lady flies around. (laughs) You notice the eagle lady never says a word? No, no, she's completely irrelevant in the story. She has no lines. Yeah. So then he talks about how last time he got defeated by the X-Men in Washington, D.C., which that was a long time ago. And they thought he was defeated those many months ago. So we realized kind of what it was in Marvel time. Yeah. It was X-Men 25, I think. 22 and 23. Yeah, says. there you go. And if you look at the bottom, it shows... His original team. Which, as cheesy as the new team is, oh, the original worse. team yeah. is like a scarecrow. But I kind of like the porcupine man. I think I think someone could do cool bringing him back. And making him modern, like updating him. Yeah, maybe so. I can't figure out what these are. The unicorn are. is dumb. The unicorn. Um, and the, the, the fat one. scarecrow. That, that one? No, no, this guy. Not yeah, scarecrow. That's, yeah, he has a, I think his name is a scarecrow. But he looks too. all swole up, unlike the skinny scarecrow of right. Batman. And you have a snake guy, and I don't know, that guy was like a tulip. 
Tulip Man. <laughs> I don't remember what all their names were. Um, but he escaped from prison, obviously, and began planning anew, calling in old debts and using Magia science to create... Why, why is... Magia is just a Marvel word for mafia, right? Or am, I, am I remembering that I'm not wrong? sure. I think you're right. Or is it magic, like Magi? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. Anyway, he uses their crazy science to create the Animen. So he can take over the world. So now we go back to Cyclops pouting. And Nightcrawler comes in. And um, he was, you know, we get a good insight into Nightcrawler's personality. Um, he was concerned about Cyclops. And uh, they kind of have a heart to heart. And the Professor X interrupts him and tells him to come to the control room at once. I'm sorry, the briefing room. So they go in there. And I thought it was interesting that, well, Cyclops and Nightcrawler are last. The other guys are coming in. But who was already sitting in the room with Professor X? <laughs> Wolverine. Wolverine. So like, that kind of plays into the whole, like, he was a soldier. So I thought that, yeah, was, I thought that was really cool. Um, so we've seen Count Nefaria is making his video announcement about his demands. Typical uh, old school comic book villain. And he just kind of pontificates about what he wants. I like how his ransom is the however much the country can afford. It's, it's very uh, considerate of him. Right. He doesn't want anybody to have to pay too much. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want to break anybody's economy. But, you know, I guess he just, he's just being realistic. I want to be fair about ripping everyone off. Yeah, point. but, you know, you figure countries' economies, even back then, dealt in the billions of dollars, right? I mean, it's still going to be a lot of money. Most of them. So if every, if every country gave him a million dollars, I mean, he's, he's set for life. Yeah. He can keep running his mad scientist experiments. And yeah. Clean, get some good monocle cleaner. <laughs> to keep his monocle nice and clean. I like how Wolverine says, nice guy. Wonder what he does for an encore. Yeah. But this is, well, we'll keep going with it. All right. But basically says they have three hours or he's going to launch all of America's missiles at everybody. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't want to start right, so, the economies up, but he will. So history, uh... This is before Reagan and Star Wars. What what situation realistically would, would our missile situation have been in in seventy five? It'd be pretty serious. Okay. I mean, it's the. I mean, because it's after like the Cuban Missile Crisis, so we're still Cold War. Yeah, oh yeah. So still we're still Cold armed. War. By this point, you have the Salt One Treaty, I think, or the Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty. Okay. Limitation Treaty. So there's been some effort to kind of scale them down, but there's still okay way more nukes than anyone ever needed. So we're still talking about the ability to destroy the entire planet. All right, cool. So Nefarious, he's in line with that. And um, then the beast shows up. <laughs> I love this. The Avengers are too busy to take care of this, so I thought the X, his old team, the X-Men, could. But he's like, wait, these guys aren't the X-Men? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also funny that the Avengers are too busy to deal with the guy that might destroy the entire planet. <laughs> right. We might all die, but, this, but we're busy fighting somebody. No, else but this right is now. a classic comic book trope. 
Yeah, it whenever, is. Whenever teams took on something that other people maybe should have handled, yeah. it's always, oh, the Fantastic Four are in another dimension. I guess <laughs> right. we'll fight Doctor Doom this time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or the Avengers are off-world, or oh, Magneto's attacking New York when the X-Men are on a secret mission. I guess the Avengers better fight him. Yeah. I was just an excuse to not have any interaction. <laughs> yeah. It's still funny, though. Right. But, um, okay, so... And that he's trusting a group of people that he doesn't know. It's just this, well, he's, he's, I, he's trusting the professor, I guess, is what it boils down to. Still, they're trusting them with the destruction of the planet. <laughs> but he does it hesitantly. He says, if you say so, professor. Yeah, that's true. Coughs an attitude with him. <laughs> I like though how he doesn't even explain what the Avengers are doing. He just says, we can't handle it right now. We're busy. We're busy. We're it's, po- it's poker night. That's right. <laughs> and then Cyclops tries to tell uh, Thunderbird that he has to stay home because his leg is still hurt from the laser. And then he, <laughs> in a very odd, tough guy thing to say, he says, you want to try saying that through a mouthful of knuckles one eye? It makes it sound like is, I don't know, I don't, that expression doesn't mean much to me. It's a weird expression. It's very Professor X said there's no time to argue. Get on the plane. <laughs> I know. It's almost it's like a little kid throwing a tantrum. It's like, just, right. just let him go. <laughs> let him go. I don't care if he's hurt. <laughs> so they get on there. And then Wolverine shows some more um, of his kind of soldier mentality. He talks about how he knows soldier friends in Valhalla. If Nefarious hurt any of them, he's going to cut him into very... Tiny pieces. Yeah. So we see Wolverine's kind of killer instinct and his uh, soldier camaraderie, I guess you'd yes. say. And of course, Banshee thinks he's joking. Which, let's take a little moment here to talk about Banshee. <laughs> All right. Is if you noticed, he's getting like an old lady <laughs> in this comic. He starts out and he has a couple of comments. At one point, he goes, Oh my. Goodness, or something. I'm he said something kind of old lady ish. Right. By this panel, the Donna Reed hair is really <laughs> pronounced. I mean, it looks like he literally just has a 60s lady's wig on. Right. By this point. And he's, he's like, Oh, Wolverine, you really would kill them. <laughs> and then later in the comic, he keeps talking about how he's too old for all this. Right. I was like, He's just become this old lady by this point in the comic. Well, I told for some you they reason. originally intended for all the new X Men to be pretty young, except for Banshee. Yeah. Because we find out later that's not necessarily the case. But he's definitely like the old guy hanging out with the kids. Yeah. So. But it's just funny that it really. They're, it feels like they're really they, emphasizing they play it, it for up some a lot, reason. Yeah. And I don't know what's up with the hair. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense to me. <laughs> That's not how all the Irishmen wore their hair back then? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe in the 60s, I guess. But this is 1975, 1976, I think, when this right. comes out. I don't know. It's really weird to me. Yeah, and then strange. all the old lady comments. Like, he's offended by Wolverine's violence. And then the, uh, the Air Force planes try to track down the ex-jet. But he tells them... Um, we are responding to Avengers call over the Air Force says gotcha heroes contact General Frederick on TAC 10 and Cyclops says TAC 10 Roger I like how there's no checking or anything right. it's like oh yeah you called the Avengers and we're here alright alright cool <laughs> well carry on I guess you can handle it yeah. <laughs> what I think it is the Air Force is like well, we can't do it right so they're just so, like well whoever uh, shows up <laughs> yeah. whoever shows up let them give them a shot 
Or maybe they think it's the Avengers Reserve team. Maybe. Do they have a B team at this point? I don't know. They should have. They should, yeah. So Cyclops talks to the general and he says, Who are you? Iron Man, Cap? But they're on a video conference. Yeah, that's weird. Like you can see them. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, maybe they got a new outfit. He doesn't know. Maybe so. Captain America, nice sunglasses you got there. <laughs> he is so, blue, so he's, you know. But he tells him one of the X-Men, and the general says, figures the X-Men would show up when the Fari are around. And he doesn't trust Cyclops, but he has no choice because they're shooting at the Pink Mountain. And it's just not doing anything. I like how he bothered. I don't know. Why does he bother to tell him that he doesn't trust him? It seems like a right. funny little, I don't trust you, but eh, whatever. <laughs> but I have to trust you. So he tells Cyclops that Nefaria, the fool, has armed the Doomsmith system. So even though he's given a three-hour deadline, and there's an hour left, you have to shut down. Where's this arrow? It gives a timetable here somewhere. Yeah, it's like an hour, I think. Oh, the missiles will fire automatically and no power on Earth can stop them. Nefarious deadline is two hours even, but you people have only 52 minutes to cancel the Doomsmith before it cannot be reversed. Which, for one thing, Doomsmith's kind of a stupid name. Yes, it is. And I know, I guess Doomsday, maybe he's already a character in DC, so they can Not yet, no. Not yet. So I don't know why they didn't say Doomsday. That That's an expression, a Doomsday device. I guess because this is the Smith of Doom. <laughs> I guess so. This is the John Smith. John Smith. But, no, I mean, like, like a blacksmith. There's someone that makes Doom. I get it. So it's just... Yeah, uh, it's dumb. It's just dumb. And then, two, it's... This, this is all comic book, but the whole idea that... Why would they create a Doom's Doomsmith device? It can't be turned off. That can't be turned off by anybody. Because if we get to the point where we need to annihilate the whole planet, no one should be able to stop it. <laughs> I guess so. Because the last thing you want is for the Russians, that's who we're worried about, the Ruskies and the, the commies come over here and invading America, and we have to operate our missiles to go back and shoot Russia. But don't when they you... storm the mountain and take over our base, they can just turn the missiles off. So we need to make sure they can't turn the missiles off and they'll still shoot even if we lose. Right? I mean, that's is that kind of what they're going for there? I don't think this is a real thing. <laughs> well, obviously. It's not I don't a real think thing. it makes any sense. But in the military comic book world. Because what, the, the, what about the Wolverines and the, the Red Dawn guys? They have to be able to turn it off if they, if they can retake the mountain before it's over. True. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I don't want to mix metaphor Wolverines and the right. It's the, okay. the awesome Wolverine and then the terrible. <laughs> Although the, I guess the eighty movies is good. The new one is the one that I haven't seen it. So whatever. But then, uh, the Dragonfly girl loses her hisses <laughs> for a moment. Count Nefari, an aircraft enters the defense perimeter. Not enters the defense perimeter. No, Should she just be. talks normal, and she stops in the name of love. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Count Nefarian recognizes the X-Men jet, which they didn't have when they fought the first time. That's right. Because when they fought Nefarian the first time, they stole an Avengers Quinjet. Oh. But um, anyway. The computer recognizes it. Oh, that's right. 
Yeah. Which also doesn't quite make sense, but well, it really doesn't make sense because the Air Force didn't was not able to identify him. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> anyway, he launches some other missiles, and they shoot at the Blackbird. Or is it? It's, they call it the Blackbird, right? I think they do. Yeah, they did. It's not the Stratojet anymore. No. Um, no, it looks pretty much the same. Yeah. But that's what they introduced at the end. And, and they evade it. But it still hits it, and they start to explode, but it's, this is the G.I. Joe Blackbird, <laughs> and the little escape mini-plane shoots out of it, and the X-Men are still good. But Nefarian gets P.O.'d, and he, punch it, he slams his hand on a button. And his monocle falls off. Yes, it does. He's so mad he loses his monocle. I gotta say, him yelling, that's a pretty cool panel. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um. <laughs> and the sonic disruptor shoots at the plane. <laughs> and fiery emerald curiscations bathe the plane. And when the disruptor beam is gone, the plane is too. All right. Sonic. Assuming it's vibrations, right? Okay. Yeah. Shakes the plane apart. There should probably be some pieces. <laughs> dare it I shouldn't e- just vaporize. Dare I even add? Well, not only that, but even if it does, even if we assume that outside this panel there's a bunch of debris of the plane. Why are the X-Men intact? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. More faulty logic. Just making sure. Also, why would you slam your hand down on a billion-dollar computer? I don't think he knew what button he was hitting. That controls all the missiles in the world. (laughs) Yeah. I think you were just throwing a tantrum and got lucky. Nefaria smash. Anyway, the X-Men are falling out of the sky without a plane, and that is where this issue ends. X-Men 94. All right, so let's take a minute and talk about what we thought about that overall. What's your your overall opinion of that? Overall, I think it's pretty good. Some faulty logic, but yeah. you get that in these days. Right. I the, attribute that to the time. I think Nefaria is kind of a dumb yes, character. Yes, he is. And his little Animan are kind of dumb. Yes, they are. But they're, they're 70s I got to say, so just not... peeking ahead a little bit, it's a while. Well, not a while. It's going to be a few more... At least two or three more issues of really dumb villains before we get to anybody cool. Yeah. Well, and it's... The, to me, they're like 70s dumb. Yes. So it's they're dumb, but they kind of make sense because that's kind of the dumb stuff that people did. Versus like Krakoa, which I think is just dumb. <laughs> right. Like, I think that's just, that's just bad. It's just a bad character. Well, Count Nefari is supposed to have powers, and he has no... If he has any powers in this issue, he doesn't use them. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. I think he's like a psychic vampire or something at some point. Hmm. Right now, he's just an evil genius. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like he does more than this in the future, but... Right. Yeah, all right. So, um... Yeah, I also enjoyed it. It's, there's a lot of silly stuff in it, but I like it, um... We got, um, I like the the parts about Wolverine, you know, obviously we got the first bub, um, I really enjoyed 
seen a, a quote unquote softer side with him caring about Colossus. Yeah, that relationship we, developing. Is, yeah, is we a got good... the fastball special, even though it wasn't called that. We find out that his bones are indestructible. And honestly, we have Wolverine's first cliffhanger. True. This issue ends, and this is the first time that he's in peril or in trouble. We don't know what's going to happen next. And then with the Hulk stuff, when those, in between those issues, you kind of you knew the fight was still going. Right. Like it wasn't was, a cliffhanger. He just showed up. Right. Was like, it was oh, just a, it was like a pause. Right. Yeah. <laughs> More than a cliffhanger. So I feel like this is kind of Wolverine's first cliffhanger. Um. There are a couple of parts, like I said, about the faces, particularly with Professor X and Thunderbird, that were inconsistent. But overall, I I enjoyed Cockrum's art. I thought his action was really nice. Um. Yeah. So um. All right. So I always forget with you to do the ratings. So for X Men ninety four, what would you give this book? I give it two claws. I think. Okay, so right, two out of three. Out of three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think two claws, because that you know it's it's good. It's got some interesting things. It's not great. The story is kind of weird. The bad guys are kind of dumb. Right. So you know it, it could be better, but it's still a lot of good interactions, like you said, a lot of good Wolverine firsts. So yeah, for me, two out of three, definitely. Okay, I'm gonna go with you. I do. I enjoy even some of the cheesy parts of Claremont's writing and dialogue i i really like it i'm an i'm an old claremont fan um some of his more recent attempts i have not in, enjoyed quite as much but his old stuff i really dig and of course we're getting ramp we're ramping up into some of you know some of the claremont comics we get a little bit later is, are some of my favorite ever yeah. so i mean i really I like kind of our first look at his him writing the book fully. But yeah, overall, I would agree. I think there's... It's good enough. It is kind of cool because it's, it's the new X-Men's kind of first, like, mission versus a... Like, to go fight a bad guy. Yeah. As, as the team that they're going to be for a little right. while. Right, yeah, it's the, the first, first mission. So it's, it's definitely a really important issue. I just, I don't like Count Nefario. No. And the Animen are dumb. So, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give it two out of three claws as well. Um, yeah, so uh, you want to take over number 95? All right, let's jump into it. So we'll start with the cover again like you okay. did. You want to do the credits real fast? Oh, yeah, credits. It should all be the same, I think. but Pretty much the same. The writer, Chris Claremont, plotters, Chris Claremont, for the whole book, Lynn Wine for just part of it. Pencilers, Dave Cockrum for the first half. John Bolton for the second half. Yeah, that's for the, the add-on. Oh, for the add-on, yeah, yeah. Inkers, Sam Granger, John Bolton. Oh, so, well, Sam Granger's a different guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's different. He's the first half. Oh, Cockrum inked the first issue. Interesting. All right, go ahead. So a different inker. Um... I'm going to just read the letters real fast okay, letters. they always get overlooked. <laughs> Karen Mantlow and Bill Oakley in the first half and Tom Orzachowski for the second half. Right. Colorists Elaine Lee and Glennis Oliver. Awesome. All right, and this chapter is called War Hunt. 
All right, and the back cover, this is John Bolton. Oh, no, that's, no, that's no, that uh, one. Sorry. I think it's going to be another Gil Kane, does it say? Describe it, and I'll Google it real fast. All right, so let's jump into it. Okay, so first part of this, this comic called War Hunt starts out with, these are the new X-Men. And a panel of all of them falling out of the sky. That's a really cool panel. It is a cool it's panel. It's very chaotic. I like it. Yeah, very chaotic. Everybody's all over the place. They're all in a certain place. So it starts out. These are the new X-Men. Oh, it was Gil Kane, by the way. It was Gil Kane. Kane. Okay. So these are the new X-Men. And soon they will all be dead. <laughs> Next page. Unless. Unless. Impacts. Impact minute minus this, 100 seconds. This is insane. <laughs> so then, yeah. So you got 100 seconds of them falling, which this lasts for multiple pages. A whole pages. lot happens in a this A whole time lot of grade. things happen as we go through here. All right. So unless impact minus 100 seconds. So um, Cyclops is falling in the first panel, thinking, what can he do? <laughs> he doesn't want to give up now, and he's upside down, which is funny. He's right. just straight upside down now. And then we go into Nefario watching this on Nefaria, excuse me, watching this on a screen. <laughs> You're trying to make him more manly. I was trying. I'm trying to help him out. Uh, fall. He's watching them on screen, and he says, "Again, these aren't the X-Men I remember. The team has changed, <laughs> but it doesn't make a difference because they're all going to die anyway." So, and then he said, Who, "Who's Hagedorn?" He says, "Tell me, Hagedorn." Did you really believe that paltry band of misfits was a match for that guy. Who is But who is this guy? I don't know. All right. There's some guy on the screen, apparently named Hegedorn. He's a military guy. He says the president will never give in. But he's got a white suit on. So apparently he called the Avengers. And the Avengers called the Beast called the X-Men. Well, he's, I guess he's whoever in the cabinet is responsible for, for calling the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically says, you know, they're not going to give in to his insane demands for all this money. Nefaria reminds him again he has complete control over the Valhalla base and that he's going to blow up the world if he doesn't get his money. He says, consider his final warning. they got to meet his terms or he's going to unleash Armageddon. Then the Catman shows up. And nobody wants to have to watch Armageddon. No one wants to watch the real <laughs> that's, one that's or the That's his movie. evil plan, that's is <laughs> to watch Ben Affleck and Armageddon <laughs> and listen to the Aerosmith song forever. I'm tempted to start singing it, but I won't. Please don't. <laughs> All right, so Catman shows up, pounces, it looks like, in this panel here. With a different color beard now. His beard was orange all of the first comic. Yes. Now it is but that, purple. He's he straight up has like super mustache. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like I said, it's a full. And it's not it's not mustache. whiskers. It's a straight up like old west saloon yeah, a, bartender mustache. It's a man mustache. That's right. Head. Yeah. It's a full on logger. Which why is he purple? I don't know. Is purple that, cats. Is that the evil science that Are made purple? purple? <laughs> I don't know. He's got little tiger stripes, too. Yes, he it's does. It's strange. Because, I mean, the dragonfly's red. It doesn't make complete sense, but it's okay. But the frog's green. The gorilla's brown. Yeah. The eagle, I don't know what's going on. The eagle's like a space eagle. <laughs> he looks like Hawkman from... Kind of, like the golden bit. age, yeah. Yeah. 
with a bird face. The head, the head's different, but the yeah. other ones. Anyway, so Catman jumps in, and he says, Nefaria says, excellent, Catman, a textbook operation. Which, what textbook came up with this Valhalla operation? I thought that was kind well, of Well, he probably found thing. a textbook in the base. <laughs> They've been running Maybe drills. So, so then the, so then the oh, cat... <laughs> Never mind, I'm getting ahead of you. Go ahead. <laughs> so then the cat says, you're bluffing though, right? So <laughs> apparently... That this is all just a bluff in the first place. Oh no, he's just worried. He's worried about getting his ass blown. The cat. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to die for this. I want you to turn me back into a mustachioed man. So the cat reminds him that you know, if we launch these missiles, it will mean the end of the world. As if Nefaria hadn't thought about, <laughs> about that yet. And then he and he emphasizes that, including us, we're going to die too. And Nefaria says. So, amidst rings of cigar Yes, smoke, I love it. awesome. He's such a pimp. He is such a pimp. And it's a thin cigar, too. It's not like a big fat. No, it's just a long, skinny yeah. cigar. It's uh, very pimpy. So, then the other ba- other guys show up. Oh, my God, there's still a, a pile of so- knocked-out <laughs> soldiers. A pile of, yeah, gas soldiers. Just hanging no, those are the, the ones they took out in the control oh, yeah, room. Those are the guys they beat up. Or no, or they leave in the control room. Maybe it is gassed. I don't know. Either way, they're all in a pile. So either they moved them or the guys dogpiled to try to save themselves. <laughs> yeah. So Nefaria says, don't worry about it. The government's going to pay their ransom because it has no choice. And he says, I may indeed be running the greatest con in history. So I guess the idea is that he's not going to launch these missiles. He doesn't want to. But he doesn't realize that, that he is launching he's going missiles. to anyway because you can't stop. He can't stop the Doomsmith device. Right. So then the monkey man, ape man, ape man, ape man, ape man, he later is called Gort. Gort, also called Gort. Ape man mm. who talks like Hulk says yeah, mountain well, real good to keep out puny soldiers. <laughs> but what if the Avengers come? Then he says, Nefaria says, we'll deal with them, ape man, as we did the X-Men. And the frog, who's oddly skeptical, says that'll be the day. <laughs> but they just blew up the X-Men's plane and the X-Men are falling out of the sky to their death. Yeah. Well, and the this frog is all man's happening like, in that 100 seconds. And too. the frog man's like, we didn't, we didn't take care of the X-Men. Like, <laughs> he knows they're going to come out of this alive. You know right. what? Frogman reads comic books. Maybe so. Maybe so. So, we keep going here. Dragonfly. We find out Dragonfly apparently has some kind of hypnotic powers. And she still uh, she only had S's for one one line. She did. Well, she has. She brings them back. Oh, in they this come one. back later. I think okay. so. Yeah, because the weird the weird thing about the voices here is the the bird doesn't talk. The ape man talks like a caveman. Hulk. Every caveman. every big strong hulking character in True. Marvel used to talk like the Hulk. All meatheads. All big. Just <laughs> meat dummies. The dragonfly has an unexplained S in most of her sounds. And the frog guy just talks normal. You notice all of his frog, lines man. are just, just normal. He has no... no right, I bet he has a croak in his voice. He doesn't voice. say ribbit or... Well, maybe so. <laughs> I talk like this all the time. <laughs> his voice is cracking and changing. That's why he called him croaker. Maybe so. So he, so he goes... <laughs> where's one of his lines? Boss, we're good, but not... <laughs> Silence. <laughs> so the dragonfly is gonna hypnotize everybody. All right. So now that happened. That was ten seconds. All that. 
Now, <laughs> impact minus 90 seconds. Or I guess maybe we're going back to what's happening while this is happening. Right, yeah, this, this is simultaneous. Yeah, simultaneous. So now they're still falling, 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 falling. Storm Banshee, listen up, you two, as if they were having a side conversation. <laughs> right. He's got guys, a, guys, pay attention. Wait, wait, we're falling. Wait, we're falling. Let's let's see if we can figure something out here. Shouldn't the storm just be flying? Right. What Scott, and the Banshee. plan Scott comes up with seems to me to be the first thing they should have done. <laughs> right. Where he says, hey, those of you that can fly, start flying. Well, you, would, right. you would think <laughs> I, maybe all right, Storm's still pretty naive, but Banshee's an ex-cop. Surely at some point he's used his power to fly to carry somebody. Well, they've done like, it before. Like his instinct should have kicked in. It shouldn't have taken 10 seconds or Cyclops telling him well, in the to grab somebody. They carried people. Right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so this is not this is not new. So. I, don't th- I don't think they cared. Maybe so. I think they're just ready like, to just fly off and let everybody <laughs> else die. Like, just end it. Just end it here. <laughs> Storm, Storm at last issue said, we haven't been around very long. Let's see how it goes. And now she's decided, this is how it goes. I'm done. Right. So, so Scott's big plan is, hey, those that can fly, Banshee Storm, grab some people and fly to the ground. Right. Instead of all just crashing in. Then he tells Nightcrawler to teleport. Nightcrawler says, but I cannot. Not from here. And Cyclops says, what? <laughs> what? Can't believe that's, this. That's Devon. <laughs> another, another hardcore, another inside, hardcore joke. inside joke so then in this 90 seconds Kurt decides to give a long explanation of why he can't <laughs> right. teleport to the ground. we're falling to our death but let, let me take a second and explain my powers but so let's let's dissect this here too okay. so he's from this height he's falling fast I get that the law of conservation of energy which I meant to look that up it's real I know it's real, but okay. look at what it, exactly it says related to this right here. Well, it's According kind of, to this, all right, you know how when you're driving, yeah, and you stop, and some things in your car keep moving because they want to maintain okay. their forward momentum. He's basically saying if he if he's falling at this velocity and he teleports to the ground, he may he's going teleport, to keep going but he's still going to hit the ground at that same speed. Yeah, he'll still be moving. I guess is what he's right. saying. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense, I guess. So he's going to die either way. Although yes. I'm... I'm pretty sure I'd give it a try. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd give it... And I'm pretty sure that he's done this before, too. I mean, there'll be lots later, of other times. Later, you mean? Later, yeah. yeah, where he does. So this this moment here is kind of weird. But anyway, so Storm says, don't worry, Kurt. She's going to carry him around, too, and Colossus. <laughs> Colossus says, oh, don't worry about me. I'm metal. And in this comic, this one, for they keep inserting... A couple of times. A couple yeah. of times they insert some Russian words. But, now, but, one of them is obviously Americana. I couldn't figure out what this one was. I don't know. Unless he's saying Wolverine. I don't know, but it's, it's you know, the, the Russian lettering. And unlike the other times where he says Russian words where they spell it out in English phonetically. Right. This is what the Russian lettering, so you're just like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. Either way. He said, tells her to get Wolverine instead, which Wolverine's also indestructible. I but would say they don't know that yet, but Storm brought it up. She did say that, <laughs> but I guess they don't. His skin might burst everywhere, maybe. Yeah, they don't know about the healing factor. That's true. But his bones won't break. <laughs> his bones won't break. So, but either way, she keeps him. So they start trying to rescue everybody except Scott. 
The guy who decides to go into himself. a hang gliding stance. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he's been had his skydiving training. Yeah. So we got. We're now we're down to sixty-three seconds left. That's it. That's all we have Shouldn't left. Shouldn't we already be on the ground by now? You'd think so, but all that was twenty <laughs> seconds of, of figuring out who's going to carry who, and and uh, Nightcrawler explaining in detail why he can't teleport <laughs> right. down, giving a science lesson. That's right, Bill, not a science guy. So Colossus leans into it and points straight down. Oh, he dives. He's diving. He's straight now. up diving. So he makes yeah. a straight landing, crashes into the ground. <laughs> no, he crashes into a tree. Through a tree. <laughs> This poor tree just destroys it for no reason. Which, in this one, it looks like he's way in the foreground. Right. And, and in this suddenly, one, it still looks like he's way in the foreground. And then he hits And then it. suddenly he's on top of it. Yeah. So then they land. Old lady... <laughs> old lady uh, Banshee says, Saints, no, the lad's killed himself. Although, look at his hair. Now his hair looks awesome. Yeah. Well, now it's all flying 70s in the wavy wind. in this yeah. comic. Wind, so wind machine. And the last... The last I'm gonna episode. say overall, the art in this book took a step up. Yeah, it de- it definitely does. I think I feel like Cochran's got a better handle on the characters yeah, right now. I agree with. That. Although here we go back to uh, yeah. Anyway, so but then it turns out, of course, Colossus is like, "Oh, why are you yelling? I'm right here. I'm fine. I'm steel, and steel apparently doesn't break. <laughs> Although if a plane crashed into the ground at that speed, it would probably break apart. Yeah." Colossus is steel, I guess. It's I like how huge steel. the crater is in it. <laughs> it's a massive crater, as if he exploded. Right. All right, so 37 seconds left. <laughs> what? Colossus <laughs> is still falling, and he's thinking, who's who's getting here? And he's about to crash into another tree. Right. Although it makes it look like it's the same tree, but... We know Colossus destroyed that tree. Yes. And then here comes Banshee. I like how Cyclops is sweating. Yeah, yeah, he's sweating bullets here. It says it's impact really, twelve seconds. Really tense. Impact five seconds. And then here's Banshee. Gotcha. And basically says, You didn't think I was gonna let you go. And he's like, Oh, I thought I didn't think so. <laughs> then he says, Oh ye of little faith, and Cyclops tells him to cut the comedy. Is that a joke? Yeah, I don't know what the joke was. I think this <laughs> this part previous was the joke oh, about okay. him getting splat on the ground. But okay, so yeah. everybody's now just hanging out, and Warpath somehow. I mean, uh, I always call him Warpath. Uh, who got Thunder? Thunderbird. Oh, Banshee got Thunderbird. Oh yeah, Back I see there. him carrying Thunderbird. That's yeah. funny. All right, so Thunderbird's on the ground too. All right, so then we're landing, and Cyclops starts giving it's orders. It's really again. windy. It's really windy. Everybody's hair is blowing. But I kind of like it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So Cyclops starts giving the plan, tells them what General Frederick says. They have less than an hour to deactivate the Doomsmith system before it automatically fires every ICBM in the U.S. strategic arsenal. The whole planet is going to die. So the first step is to get in. Right. right. Obviously. Make, makes sense. So he says, how do you do that? You got a key that'll crack open a mountain. <laughs> Thunderbird says that sarcastically. Cyclops says, as a matter of fact, I do. All right. And the name is Cyclops, Mr. Not-One-Eye. Which Cyclops really doesn't like being called One-Eye. He doesn't, because he's been stroking it ever since Jean Grey left. <laughs> he's, but very, uh, he's very self-conscious about it. <laughs> but to be literal here, Cyclops just means One-Eye. Well, yes. <laughs> so it's funny that he's so upset 
to be called by what but his name hates, actually means in but, a different word. But he hates the, his mutant cursed eyes. Basically, basically, he's just mad about himself. And every time anybody talks to him, he gets pissed off. That's true. That's true. Again, back, he's frustrated, you know. Yeah. So, all right. So we're we're here. And he says, Nightcrawler, tell, see, this is interesting. So he tells Nightcrawler to teleport into the mountain. Nightcrawler, once again, <laughs> can't teleport. We go into, once again, a long explanation as to why he can't teleport. Really like, this stays consistent. This does. the rest of Nightcrawler's And history. I thought this was fine. It was kind of weird, but, especially the, the one in the air. But I thought it was interesting that this is the third one that he's in. And they're really exploring the boundaries of his teleporting. Like someone right. said, he's going to teleport. And then someone immediately said, what's that going to mean? We've got to figure that out. <laughs> Stan Lee's like, you can't just teleport everywhere. <laughs> so it's like, and all right. Chris Claremont's like, all right, well. This is the third comic he's ever been in. And they're already <laughs> like, let's hammer out all the details in this, in this um, teleporting business so there's no confusion. Right. So he can't teleport in the mountain because he can't see. Right. Which, yeah, like you said, stays consistent throughout comic history. So, Banshee then, which we're back to the Donna Reed hair for some reason. Yeah, well, and the wind went blown. I guess so. Um, Scott gives him the idea of using his scream as a sonar to kind of see inside, which okay. I don't know if he does that much after this or not. I don't know. I don't even know if that could work. I don't, yeah, I don't really think it does, because I don't think he does... It's from my understanding of his powers. He would also need big bat ears. Right. It's it's not a his his scream is not a bounce back. No, like it a is. Sonar. Yes, it is. It That's is? how it okay. flies. I don't. They haven't explained. I thought it. the flying just because it propelled him off the ground like a concussion or percussion. Well, right, blast. but it also came back too and then pushed him back. Like he kind of. Right, like, but that's the force though. It depends on who writes it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I could go either way. So anyway. Yeah. But, and there, but there are points in time later where it actually shows the the sonic scream bouncing off the ground and hitting him back. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess it makes sense then. So he does the ee. Yeah. And they have this weird power looking thing. Right. Instead of the sound lines. But and then this looks like he's getting shot in the face. <laughs> I don't I don't understand this panel at all. No one either. It's supposed to be him. I guess it's supposed to be his sound waves coming back to him, but it looks... Is that what it is? Okay. I guess it turned into a red laser, and it looks like it's shooting him in the face. Right. Because I think this is him looking inside the mountain. Okay. So basically, he's making a map to tell Nightcrawler where to go, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So somehow he explains that to Nightcrawler. (laughs) Oh, he says there's a fair-sized space, 51 meters lateral from here, by 7 vertical... Up if you can match those coordinating, if we match those coordinates, bucko. That is a gift. Yeah, that's pretty. In, that's pretty that's, detailed. That's damn precise. For the first for time he sonic ever, waves, right? And for the first time he him. ever uses it, he's able to get such a detailed measurement. Like if I had a little wave gun and it bounced back, and I could feel it on me, you know, yeah. I could probably tell you, okay, that's a big room, that's a small room. There's no way in hell I can tell you that's that room is 10 feet by 11 feet. <laughs> well, that's why you're not an X-Man. No, I'm not. So here we go. So Nightcrawler, according to Chris Claremont, seemingly oblivious to the danger, <laughs> teleports into the mountain. We have the, the crack of flame and the gust. Yeah, but no bamf this time. Gusting stench of brimstone. Yeah, no bamf. 
So he lands inside. I gotta say, I wonder, I wonder if the X Men ever just sit around and complain about how stinky Nightcrawler is. <laughs> I do not love it. His line. power is so handy when he doesn't make excuses for it, but damn, he smells bad. Gosh, I hate that smell. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right about that. So he teleports inside, and then is immediately caught by the Frog Man. That's right. He says, "Ooh, I'm muted. I got him." <laughs> right. Who? Punches him. I love that. Just panel, says pow. Man. I don't know what exactly it's kind of sixties Batman ish, but I love it. Yeah, Nightcrawler. Is all. I love Cochran's Nightcrawler is really awesome. Yeah, I like his Nightcrawler a lot. So we get the pow. Nightcrawler falls down, but he doesn't go down. And the Frogman says, "What? You're still conscious? But I hit you hard enough to flatten a dozen men. I hit you hard enough to flatten a dozen men." <laughs> And then Nightcrawler says, perhaps, but like yourself, Nightcrawler is not precisely a man. Which, why does he jump to the third person? That's kind of funny. I don't know. He hasn't really before. I don't think so, right? I was thinking that's not a thing that he does. Well, he did say, if, if you can make me a better Kurt Wagner, but... That's different, though. Yeah, it's a different situation. Anyway. But Frogman gets really confused. Frogman says, <laughs> well, doesn't matter fan. what you are, Mutie. Nefaria wants you dead. So they start fighting. Yeah, look, look at it. Look at it. He's like looking around. Like, Where'd he go? Where'd he go? I love that panel. I don't know. Nightcrawler says, I do not wish to hurt you, Hair Frog. <laughs> he calls oh, him Hair Frog here. Earlier. Hair Frosh two times earlier. Yeah. And, and then, then, then he calls him Hair Frog. Hair Frog. And he says, Don't call me that. I ain't no frog. I ain't no freaking mutant like you. <laughs> I'm a man. But he's a frog. He's a frog man. Frog man. Nightcrawler bamp appears into the bamp. Oh, he okay, disappears. Okay. Frogman says, "Huh? Where'd he go?" And then and Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler says, "Nowhere." Hair <laughs> bam, knocks him out. And then I love the old dragon. the old tap on the shoulder trick. The old tap on the shoulder. So then, speak of the devil as the text box we get here. Oh yeah. We go back to um, <laughs> Nefaria who yells at the frog. For getting defeated by Nightcrawler. Croker, you unmitigated idiot! Unmitigated. So then, and he complains that he didn't call for aid. <laughs> so I guess Frogman just went out wandering around. Yeah, I guess like, he's just out hanging out. Yep, but it's because he didn't believe the X-Men were going to die. That's true. He's so he took him. it upon himself to go find him. There you go. He's just trying to help out. Yeah. So the cat asks if he should go try to get him, and the fairy is like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I got other things. We got other things to deal with. So, Doomsday, now we're down to minus 43 minutes. Uh oh, we're running out of time. We are running out of time. Wait. They had 52 minutes. No, then, when it. All right. They had 52 minutes l- left until it was. All right. The deadline was two hours, right? Yeah. And they had 52 minutes until it was unreversible. Yeah. So that means when the Doomsmith clocked down to one hour and eight minutes, it was done. Right? Yeah. So is this Doomsmith minus 40 is done? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's already locked in. That's the whole thing. They're they're past the point. Okay, where and he that, can stop Okay, it. so they're not gonna they're not gonna Alright, alright, cool. I'm actually I'm not clear. I wasn't clear if this Doomsmith minus 43 minutes is 43 minutes until they can't reverse it or 43 minutes until I feel like this is uh, 
in the Boston scene, I think it's like Doom Smith minus 43 minutes over the yeah. loudspeakers. This in is the when base. they're going to launch. Not, right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, but it's not really that clear. But okay. anyway, so Nightcrawler finds the missile bay and says, don't go away here, Frosh. And for some reason, just leaves him there. So then while he's messing with the he's controls, like, he's looking for a manual override and the frogman sneaks off and he says, ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> and then he notices the frogman is gone. So does he turn it? Yeah. He, he opens the, the door on the side of the mountain. Oh yeah. So the X-Men, manual override. He's the the X-Men I was thinking for the doomsmith device. Yeah. yeah, so he opens the door, X-Men come in, and <laughs> Nightcrawler immediately confesses, we have a problem, Cyclops. I had a prisoner, a talking frogman, but he escaped. And Scott seems <laughs> not worried about it. Can't be helped, Kurt. We all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> all Rookie. Right, keep going. So let's move it, X-Men. And then we have Storm talking about her claustrophobia, claustrophobia. which yeah. is a long-term that, issue. Yes. Confined spaces terrify me, but I bear not, dare not think of that now. So all goes well, according to... <laughs> they Chris start Kermot, getting sweaty. At first, almost too well. And then Cyclops... Uh, Banshee starts to notice it gets stuffy in there, and they all start sweating, like you said. Thunderbird says Irish has a point one eye. I feel kind of <laughs> woozy myself. And I felt this way be- before... Which is not really that clear why he says that. But I'm assuming it's some kind of reference to the war. I guess so. But he says, there's your answer, Banshee. Gas. Gas. Before the X-Men can react, the cloud gets them. So they're choking and they're blistering. They're blinding. They're tearing at their skin like acid, tearing at their minds. But for some reason, instead of all immediately passing out like all the soldiers in the whole mountain did, right? they're able to punch a hole in the wall. So they well, start Colossus, they would have punched on. Well, they all try. Oh, yeah, that's They're right. They do, because Wolverine digs his claws in a Warpath. I, originally, Warpath punch didn't really do anything. I'm Not Warpath, Thunderbird. Thunderbird. All messed up here. So, the Air Force, according to the textbook here, the Air Force designed this complex to survive anything. Nuclear war, biological holocaust. Count Navaria. <laughs> yeah, even a meteor strike. Trouble is, they never expected the X-Men. That's why they're able to punch a hole in the wall, according to <laughs> according no. to this. It can't just be because Wolverine has adamantium right. claws. Because they the didn't Colossus think of the X-Men. is made out of inorganic steel. That's right. And Thunderbird is kind of strong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> kind of strong. So, Doomsmith, minus 35 minutes. They're counting down. The stress. I'm getting stressed out myself. Yeah, man. It's intense. It. So, all these soldiers come in. Klausus says something in Russian again. Is this the one? You think it's the one that's American? It looks kind of like American soldiers. It obviously says American soldiers, I think. He says they don't look friendly, so they start (laughs) fighting pretty quickly. um, Well, Klausus jumps out and shields them, although I don't know how they all fit behind (laughs) Klausus, but apparently. (laughs) They would have blocked all the bullets. blocked all the bullets. Yeah. And they start fighting them. They pretty quickly realize, though, that the soldiers are are uh, hypnotized by the dragonfly girl. I mean, they don't know it's dragonfly girl, but they know that they're hypnotized. So they're not responsible, Scott says. They're not responsible for their attack. Look at them. They've been hypnotized. <laughs> How does one look hypnotized? So Storm... 
And there are no spirals in their eyes. I guess, yeah, okay. I guess their eyes are all clouded over. This is funny to me, though, as he says that they've hypnotized, and Sorm says she then decides to do something. Like they've been fighting, people are shooting this whole time, and apparently she's just been standing there. Right. And now she's like, very well, if you do not want these soldiers hurt, they will not be hurt, but they will be stopped. So then she pulls in her storm. Didn't she do it, that inside? Oh, they punched a hole in the wall. I don't remember the door right. still open. All right. I don't know. That's a good question. I thought that too. Well, this is also weird because it's not just like wind or lightning. No, she floods. She the pulls place. in a flood, <laughs> which I don't know that she can do that. Well, obviously I mean, she I can. guess she just did it. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in, in the larger picture, unless I guess the idea is, is a super hard rain that she brings, like a flash flood. Right. I don't know. It didn't really make a lot of sense. But either way, she floods the hall. Washes all these soldiers away. And then we're back to deer face storm. We're back to deer face. Yeah, the weird face here for some reason. This is the only one in this issue. This yeah. is really the only weird face, yeah. I think. Yeah, pretty much. Whereas the other one, you had several weird faces. This one. But anyway. <coughs> so the soldiers are gone. So they move along. Um, Thunderbird offers to take the point. He calls Cyclops one eye again. Cyclops says, that's Wolverine's job, mister. You stay with the team. <laughs> Which you know is going to rub War of course. Thunderbird the wrong way. Thunderbird says, the heck I will. I'm as good a scout as the midget. Scott. <laughs> Cyclops says, no, you're not. Especially not here. Wolverine is stationed at Valhalla Base while he served in the Canadian military. And his ultra-keen what, senses... What? Why? Who knows why? Is that a thing? I don't. I don't know. You just have why. like like slumber parties with the. Canadian I don't know military. why there would be a Canadian black ops team hanging out in the <laughs> NORAD base, but you know who knows. Cooperation. Is there an underground tunnel from the American Rockies to the Canadian Rockies? <laughs> I hope so. Okay. So Thunderbird says, "I'm part of this team too, Cyclops." <laughs> so Cyclops says, "Good. Then you'll have no problem following my lead." So then, okay, so Thunderbird now goes back into his manic state, right? This is this, right. He goes back to the other way. So now he's all angry, he's yelling at Scott. And then suddenly he has this moment of deep personal reflection that leads to a pretty intense identity crisis that he has all in this couple of minutes with the Doomsmith <laughs> device counting down. Right. Where he recognizes immediately that he lost his temper. It's happening too much. But he just doesn't like being bossed. So why is he on a team? And then he recognizes Cyclops was right. Wolverine's got super senses. It only makes sense that he would be the tracker. Right. I'm just kind of strong. He's like, so I don't know why I fought with Scott about it. And he says, but I want, to, I want to contribute, to be needed. He wants to be needed. We yes. all want to be needed. Well, we all do. We all do. This is an existential crisis of the everyman. Exactly. He's, like I said, a deep identity crisis. And he says, he wants to contribute, but how? There's nothing I can do. One of the others can't do better. Is that? Well, he's kind of right. <laughs> he is right. He is right. But it's just a funny thing that he just suddenly notices. But then he ages again. And then he ages again, and he gets um, merely Tyler Moore hair all of a sudden. And he's holding his hands up with his little He-Man bracelets, cursing, cursing his identity crisis here. So in the midst of all that, of course, the Animen show up and they attack. But now it's all of them. Gort jumps on his head, which <laughs> yes. is pretty intense. He's giving Gort a then piggyback he, for a few minutes. Ape man, that is. And he throws him over his shoulders and knocks out Banshee. Knocks out Banshee and Thunderbird, who are then out for the count. Oh, yeah. Like for one, one shot the and they're both issue. done. Yeah. 
So then the other team, the rest of the team, fights the animals. But, but Thunderbird's kind of strong, so it's probably kind of heavy. <laughs> that would make sense. And the so, ape man is big. So we should kind of knock out Banshee. But yeah, you know, okay. okay. And Banshee's an old lady, so he's he's easy to knock out. <laughs> yeah. So now both sides are numerically equal, but... All right, but, but I love this panel because... This is a classic. We're all going to fight the villain that matches us the closest. <laughs> the two ladies fight. Right. Storm and the dragonfly. Cyclops kind of just gets stuck with the eagle guy. But the frog and nightcrawler and Colossus and fights the strong one. Yeah. And then we, we're going to see the next panel, the Wolverine and the cat fight, obviously. Yeah, of course. Right. So, But here's the thing. The X-Men are tired. They were gassed, oh, apparently. Yeah. Ungassed. Whereas they're, the Animen are, it they're, says, they're probably, fresh, ungassed, <laughs> eager for the kill. The X-Men are not. Well, no. they. But why are they not eager for the kill? Well, or at least the fight, I guess. You know, they're sometimes when you, you're outside and it's really windy and you get kind of tired, or, well, you know, it was windy outside. That makes sense. So we go to the next pane. We got the fighting, the cats, Catman's beard. Now becomes two tone, and he has his mustache yes. stays purple, but the bottom part turns pink. Right, so changing colors rapidly. Maybe that's part of his power. I we are know. still kind of at the place where Wolverine uses his claws without stabbing anybody. Right, we are. So he's he's got his claws out, but he's kind of just palming the face of the cat for <laughs> right. some reason, almost like he's scratching his ear. Right. And his fins got bigger, right? Or is it just in me? This, on in this one helmet? panel, the fins get really big. Oh, no, they're big on this whole page. They're kind of pointy. Yeah, yeah they have to, you're right. They, but not really... I mean, they weren't like short before that. No, but they're, they're, they're not, the normal size. Yeah. Yeah, they get oddly big in this, yeah, this panel like it. here. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Kind of makes them look more baddish, though. Yeah, a little bit. So then we have this. So we got the good team fighting here, though. They're showing the team. So the right. cat attacks Wolverine. He's getting the best of Wolverine, which as a Wolverine fan, I do not like. I don't like that either. So, and he teases Wolverine because his claws are real. Wolverine claws are fake. How does he know that? I don't know, but apparently. Because they're not on his fingernails? I guess so. He's <laughs> assuming that. He says, you think you're some, the cat This says this, you think you're some hot shot with those metal claws, huh, Muty? Well, my claws ain't fake. They're real, and they can kill. <laughs> well, if anything, knowing, knowing he's a mutant, shouldn't he assume that that'd be part of his mutation? He would think so. Okay. But <clears throat> at this point, Colossus saves the day. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. All right. So Cat says, and they can kill. Colossus grabs his hand and says, not while Colossus lives. Cat says, huh? Who grabbed my arm? Which is weird. <laughs> Then Colossus lets him know, I grabbed it. Colossus. I, Colossus. <laughs> and while Colossus lives, there's another third person here. Right. The Wolverine will not be harmed. Which again, they're buddies now. Right. We and that. I like how he's picked up Wolverine calling himself the Wolverine. Yeah. So he calls him the Wolverine The Wolverine, too. yeah. That's right. So then here we go. We got the frog jumping. Now Colossus and uh, Nightcrawler tag team and help each other out. Taking out the frog Cyclops. first. Yeah, sorry. Cyclops and Nightcrawler tag team. First, they take out the frog. Frog's about to jump on Nightcrawler's head. Cyclops shoots him with his eye optic blasts. Then the bird's about to jump on Cyclops' head. So 
I really like that panel. Nightcrawler, yeah. The, Nightcrawler. Both those two panels right there. Jumps I like those way a up lot. in the air. And that pose is just awesome. Yeah, it is. And pounces on the bird. Lands on him with his head and basically crushes him and knocks Cyclops out of his arms. Yeah, it's got to say, Cockrum's action is top notch. Yeah, it is good. Especially for the 70s. Yeah. So then the ape man, or Gort, says, You hurt Gort's friends. You hurt Gort. For that, Gort will kill you all. And then, all right, so this is a question for you. Okay. Wolverine says, Heads up, you guys. Here comes that road company Hulk, and he looks loaded for bear. I don't know what any of that means. It's Canadian. <laughs> I don't know. Road company Hulk. I don't Rogue I think that means like second rate. Road company like Like a traveling circus, maybe? Yeah, like here comes that half price. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I get so like yeah, like a lesser and, Hulk. And loaded for bear, I think, is Canadian for pissed. That must mean something. All right. I figure that's probably what the Hulk... I mean, you can tell that's what it means. It's pretty right. clear. It's just the, the words are Yeah, it's funny. weird. I, I hope it's Canadian, not just weird Claremontness. <laughs> Claremont's like, I'm going to invent some slang. Right. <laughs> so in the midst of that, Storm then shocks the monkey, who then... She knocks off his little antenna. Knocks off his little antennas. Which don't seem to do anything. Apparently not. I kind of was under the impression that maybe once those fell off or were disabled that he'd turn back to normal, but That's he doesn't. That's kind of what I thought. So then he's, you know, confused because he just got electrocuted and then Wolverine and Nightcrawler both punch him in the face at the same time. Which I thought was cool. And it says, whammo! Whammo. Which is cool. I thought that was cool because, you know, Nightcrawler kind of does become Wolverine's best friend. So it's cool to see them kind of start to forge that friendship as well. We'd already kind of seen him start to, to bond to Colossus, and now I see him really bond with Nightcrawler. Right. So. Yeah, good teamwork. And, you yeah. know, Scott Scott worked him hard in the danger room. That's right. He's paying it's all dividends. Paying dividends. That's here. right. So Dragonfly Girl now recognizes that they're defeated. She says the Animen are defeated. So I must tried, flee to Is she trying to hypnotize Cyclops area? Yes. And this is actually a weird a weird point here. So she starts hypnotizing Cyclops, and she goes back to the hisses. Hear me, X-Man. My will is your will. You cannot resist my hypnotic powers. And Cyclops is hypnotized. She says, my mind, she's in my mind, I can't keep her out. But for some reason, she hypnotizes him. So his eyes open really wide, which then causes, causes his visor to open. So then he blasts her with an un... An un, un, unfiltered, yeah. unfiltered eye blast, <laughs> and she flies away, and then he's automatically not hypnotized anymore. Because she can't control him; she's knocked out. Right. I just thought the whole thing was kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It like, well, and that scene of the, seeing his eyeballs underneath his visor is kind of yeah. strange. Too. And why did the visor come up? Like, why does the shield even come up? It seems like a pretty dangerous thing. <laughs> That's why to have he curses his eyes all the that time. That if he opens his eyes too big, the whole thing comes off and he just kills everybody. <laughs> that seems like a weird, uh, yeah, a pretty bad safety move. So if he dies, does he just shoot eye beams forever? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I'm assuming his bodies. So, Doomsmith minus 18 minutes. Okay. We're still in the thick of it. So Cyclops like, suddenly notices. That's like a good twenty minutes of fighting, then. Yeah, that's a long right. fight. All right. So Cyclops suddenly notices that Banshee and Thunderbird are gone. <laughs> right. 
Wolverine says, oh, they're out cold. That gorilla wasted them pretty good. <laughs> and I got a picture of of, of a Banshee and Thunderbird just collapsed on the ground. But see, I'm going to pretend that this is now modern days. And we're not we're not scanning to that scene. Wolverine pulled out his iPhone and showed the pictures that he took of them knocked out <laughs> that he's going to put on Facebook later. I hope so. So then... Yeah, so they're there. So Cyclops says, just leave them. We don't have time to wake them up. Right. So they run off. Well, what, what, what are they going to try to do? What do you mean? Well, he says we don't have time, but I mean, it's already too late time-wise. I mean, what's, well, this is what's why the I wasn't, plan? This is why I wasn't, con- that's why I was confused about whether that the minus is when it's unchangeable. Because it seems like they're still trying to get there to shut it off. But it says self-destruct, oh, but see, this is it. Too late. They get there immediately, and it turns out that Nefarious locked the Doomsmith system into a self-destruct circuit. Okay. Which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> now we have a, a Doofenshmirtz-style self-destruct <laughs> right. button on the entire U.S. arsenal of nuclear weapons. Right, right. So Cyclops says, oh, it's too, we're too late, basically. The, it's armed and it's counting down. There's no way they're going to shut it off. Right. So we go back. Panels. Everybody's trying to get away. Exactly. So it cuts to Banshee and Thunderbird who wake up. Banshee complains about his aching back and how he's too old for <laughs> old this. Oh, man. You get the, uh, the um, oh, what's his name? And, oh, gosh, I can't think. Oh, well, I'll think of it in a minute. Oh, the, the uh, lethal weapon. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm too old for this shit. shit. <laughs> That's basically what this is here. I wish Banshee was Danny Glover instead. I, I would Danny Glover. So I was trying to think of his name. So Thunderford, though, says, speak for yourself, Irish, because he's a young buck, apparently. Right. And he's kind of strong. Right. He's kind of strong. <laughs> so they're looking around. Banshee says, Saints alive. So he's the old lady, old lady tone again. <laughs> it says Saints above. That's Irish. Oh, Saints above. Sorry. Saints above. We look at this mess. It must have been a grand and glorious fight that we missed. <laughs> I, was taking, I was taking a wee nap. Yeah. So then Thunderbird, of course, back to all uh, down himself. Self-loathing. Looks like they didn't need our help for I, anything. I guess I don't even need to do Figures. <laughs> so cut to another one. We got an airplane. We got Nefaria jumping in an airplane yeah. saying, the fools, the X-Men think Count Nefaria is beaten, that they've, that they've won. But the very moment of their victory will be the moment of my death, of their death, the moment of Nefarious' greatest triumph. What, is he going to outfly nuclear destruction? Is that his plan? Well, that's his plan. But <laughs> okay. here's the weird part of this. What was his original plan? <laughs> original, to get a bunch of money. His original plan was that the countries would pay up and he would turn off the missiles. Because it was a con. He said... I'll- it was a con that he wasn't really going to fire the missiles. He did not think this through. Okay, let's let's say they don't send the Avengers, and then by proxy the X Men because the Avengers are, are having poker night. Right. Let's say the Avengers come, and let's say the government decides, you know what, we don't need the Avengers. We're going to pay up. Right. Okay, I'm assuming Count Nefaria is not going to want the transaction to take place at a NORAD military base where he would immediately be captured upon receiving the money. <laughs> True. But he's going to leave the base. So either he's going to leave the Animen there to protect the base and make sure no one turns it off, 
or he's going to let it be turned off. <laughs> or if he stays at the base, like... Well, the idea here is that it was a bluff. Right. So he wasn't really going to fire the missiles. He didn't know... He didn't know that it couldn't be turned off. Right. But they've kind of abandoned that that supposition anyway, because now he actually locks it into a loop that well, can't be Well, because the changed. X-Men came and knew he wasn't going to get paid. Right. So he's going to destroy the planet? Well, no. He's going to fly away in a jet. All wow. the missiles are going to fire, and it's going to destroy the planet. <laughs> but no, but he has a jet. Right. Well, but now it self-destructs. It's not actually going to fire the missiles. It's going to self-destruct, I guess. But he has a jet. Right, that, right. That's but the point you're missing. Is that no, I get jet. the point that he, he has, has a jet. He has a cure-all jet. <laughs> He's going to fly away <laughs> into the sunset. He's gonna, I want to fly away. Gotta fly away. So you play that song and everything gets happy. I guess that makes sense. All right, so he jumps in the plane. And apparently, so now he's abandoned the money. He's abandoned the fire. He doesn't need the money. He has a jet. His actual greatest triumph is going to be to kill the X-Men. And to blow up this NORAD base. And to get a jet. To get his jet. (laughs) Which, you know, it's probably worth a couple million dollars. So I guess that's his consolation He can sell it. He can call in his old debts and have someone buy his jet. So he gets in his jet. Now, also, why doesn't he just go back in the portal? That's how he got there in the first place. I don't think he had any more press me buttons. Oh, yeah. No one would press the button on the other side. I guess that's it. So he says the self-destruct system will blow this mountain and all in it to the deepest pits of Hades. But it's also going to destroy the planet. Now, he yes. kind of left that out. that This is the whole United States nuclear arsenal. Well, it's going to destroy the ground. But he's in a jet right. in the sky. <laughs> this jet is... So until he runs out of gas, he'll just fly a... above the destruction. Which, you know, I mean, we should probably go back to this point <laughs> that, the, that the United States military has put a self-destruct button on its nuclear arsenal. Well, does that mean the missiles aren't going to fire, though, right? I, I mean, I've, been, I've been giving you a hard time about the jet, but basically... The right, self-destruct, the, missiles, the missiles are now disengaged and the base is just going to blow up. But it's going to blow the missiles up. The nuclear stuff is still <laughs> going to go off now. But only in one place. Yeah, but it's still going to blow the planet up. It is all. <laughs> <laughs> it's every missile the we have. The entire Earth is still going to be destroyed, most likely. It's going to rock you to the core. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it wouldn't blow uh, up. Probably. You probably would. I'm pretty sure this is the end of Earth. All right. So he jumps in there. He flies off. Thunderbird and Banshee start running after it. They pointed out that once he's airborne, there's not a crate in this mountain that can stop him. I don't know what that means. Like another airplane, I guess. I guess so. So, Like the fastest hunking junk in the galaxy. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. So Thunderbird's idea is to jump on the plane. All right. Is there a a text or anything about Banshee being too tired to fly after him? No, because he flies after him. Oh. So Which I love when Banshee flies all with his arms wailing know, and crazy. cracks me up. He says, Thunderbird, no. Thunderbird jumps on the plane. Now he's having his crisis moment. He says, yeah, maybe not a plane, but a man can do what a plane can't. And Thunderbird is just that man. Don't go away, Neffy baby, which is funny. Because <laughs> John, John Proudstar is coming to get you. And he's a man who don't give up. So he starts banging on the cockpit. Now they're airborne. They're flying <laughs> through. They're up through the air. And he's, he's just, just banging on the cockpit. What's he holding on to? 
I guess there's the sign. I guess of the plane. one hand is holding on. He, he's hooked the plane right there. He's super straight. He's kind of he can strong. Hold on to the plane. He's kind of strong. So he, he can hold on to he the plane. He can't break the cockpit. Yeah. It's true. He's banging yeah. on it. So he's, Banshee flies off behind him no saying, he does, I guess. Get off the plane. I can stop him with a sonic blast. He's yes. like, I can just blow the plane up right. or knock him out of the sky. But Thunderbird's okay. like, no, I'm going to break a hole in the. Can Banshee shoot sonic waves in more than one direction at the same time? Good question. Because it's in the air. If he changes, but he can glide in the air. Because he has two little fake wings. But but I'm but I'm saying in the in the pictures because he, he looks down and then he looks up. Because a lot of these look, he's looking up. Yeah. So, so it's not he doesn't have to yell okay. constantly to stay in the air. So he has his moment. It's the whole momentum thing again, I guess. I guess so. So okay. this is little weird. So fins. when he looks up to shoot the plane, he won't just fall to the ground and die. Right. Okay. I guess. Right. At least that's the 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 what we're led to believe here. Okay. So, but you know, Thunderbird's not having that. So he's still banging on the cockpit. All right, back to Wolverine and Scott. And this, to me, I think this is probably the worst part of the comic. Okay. These two, these two panels right here. These three panels. So Wolverine and and Cyclops are trying to disengage the the self destruct button. Right. And Wolverine says, "Psych, we're running out of time. We gotta go." Cyclops says, "How far do you think we'd get in five minutes, Wolverine? Because that's all the time we've got. Our only chance, the world's only chance, is to try and shut the system down." So Professor Xavier pops up in the worst space ever in a weird mirage, <laughs> not even like the in your brain thing. No, this is not like the a, astral plane. It is like this is like a hologram. Yeah, and genie says, out of a bottle thing. Right, and he says, "Cyclops, what are you doing?" Which he's psychic. He knows right. what he's doing. Right. What, Professor the Doomsmith? <laughs> And Professor says, is totally out of commission. I've mentally scanned the system. Your battle with the Antimen destroyed the command relays and the backup. How? What? All right, what? Hold on. Somehow I, I this... Didn't take this but out the of clock's still counting down. And somehow in the battle, just the smashing around in that room, they did. <laughs> okay, well, and they did. They did a lot so, of smashing right. around. And they're breaking all the machines. But okay. the clock is still counting down. Why would the clock... I mean, it still says that it's engaged and it's counting down. It's not down. A, a separate timer, I guess. I guess so. So then Professor Xavier says, but enough Because when that. it gets down to zero, it's going to go, wah, wah. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> it's like when the Joker shoots a gun, the little bang. Yeah, out, exactly. The little bang flag. So Professor Xavier says, but enough of that. You must get outside the mountain and quickly. You've an X-Men in mortal danger. So Cyclops says, all right, let's get out of here. <laughs> you heard the man, people. Move it. So then they run out, and the X-Men move as only X-Men can, according to the comic. Very the dance? That's right. Okay. X-Dance. X-Dance. But events outside are moving as well. Too far, too fast. So he by breaks the point, cockpit. Yeah. Thunderbird breaks through the cockpit. Nefaria yells, you madman, you'll kill us both. And then Cycl or, uh, Professor Xavier says, John Proudstar. <laughs> like he's his dad. And now he's got crazy John Proudstar, eyes. you get off that plane right this instant. <laughs> and look at his eyes. He looks crazy. Yeah. Professor Xavier says, he's John Proudstar, con very get off the airplane before it's too late. And Proudstar says, butt out, Baldy. I'm through taking orders. Of course, Banshee's still flying around the plane saying, <laughs> I, I can just blow this plane up. I, just, just let me you do it. You don't I, need to I do this. I can catch you and blow the plane. And 
So we, now we go into the we go into Thunderbird's soliloquy. I've been a loner all my life, Xavier, an outcast, dumped on by everybody I met. I'm kind of starting to think it might be his fault, at least a little bit. <laughs> right. But I'm a man, Xavier, a warrior of the Apache, and today I'm going to prove it. And she says, for, for pity's, pity's sake, sake, laddie, get off the plane. <laughs> so now the other X-Men are out. Storm is trying to save the day as well. There they are. Storm, get after them. Give Banshee a hand. Colossus has some nice Elvis sideburns. He does look a little Elvisy right there. So, basically, <laughs> crowd stores. Apparently, after he broke the cockpit, Nefaria <laughs> completely <laughs> didn't know how to fly the plane. Curly and plane. honestly, what is, where's even? I mean, they're flying at jet plane speed, right? Right. Why are they still so close? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he must have been flying in a big circle. I guess so. So he's punching into the control systems now, ripping pieces of the computer system out, which, of course, the plane can't take that, so then it explodes. Now, why? I don't know. Because he hit the explode button. <laughs> Count Nefaria threw a fit and banged his fist on the control panel again and blew the whole another, thing up. We have another Doofenshmirtz uh, self-destruct button on yes. there. He meant to hit eject. Eject. <laughs> Actually, he hit blow up. Yes. So They shouldn't have put those buttons right next to each other. It blows up. Professor, Professor Xavier yells, Thunderbird, no, get out, boy. But it's already blown up, so he's not yelling. Yeah. Get out. Cyclops, the aircraft, it's... I can see it, Peter. You, Cyclops, and one other. Thunderbird, no! It's kind of a dumb but kind of an awesome panel of Professor X's eyes and seeing the explosion like in his skull. Yeah. Kinda. Yeah, it's like it's happening in his brain, too. Yeah. So then we have this big explosion. rack a <laughs> And it's got a picture of four panels of Xavier from... From looking up to sad to covering face. He goes through every stage of grief while he's on fire. Exactly. And because apparently he's also feeling it. Yes. And he doesn't abandon his pupil. So he stays with them until the bitter end. That's right. So Banshee says, I begged him, I pleaded with him to get off the plane. Scott reassures him that it's not his fault. Scott says, I suppose it had to happen sometime. (laughs) He's such a dick. (laughs) Heck, sooner or later it happens to all of us in this business. He's been on this team for like two weeks. (laughs) He's like, "Ah, Cyclops. Had to happen sometime. No, but I mean, but Proud Star, I mean, uh, Thunderbird. Right, right. He's been on the team for two weeks. He's like, wow, had to happen sometime. (laughs) It comes with the uniform. Comes with the uniform. The end. The end of that comic. Right, so we'll we'll do this separately, and I'll run over the last part. Um, Actually, there's a lot that doesn't make sense, but I actually really like this issue. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, it it keeps up the good good momentum with the old one, the the previous one. The story is is still good. The action is good, and I kind of like the countdown. We kind of made fun of it, but but it it, it does add a kind of an, an intensity to the comic. Um, you know, you feel you feel stressed. And you're reading it quickly. Right. And you're trying to, you know, I I felt my I found myself reading faster. Like yeah, oh, I did too when I first. What's going to happen? On the other hand, I don't like Thunderbird's death. No, I think it's kind okay. of dumb. I I don't know that I'm saying he needed to stay around because it kind of seemed like they had wrote him into a corner because they'd kind of rid him in. They wrote him into this. 
like I said, this kind of manic where he just constantly, I'm no good to anybody. I can't do anything. Right, right. So it's like, and he was, and he was already such a, but I have to constantly prove myself, even though I'm in my head, I recognize I can't do anything. So it's like, okay, leading us to this point where obviously he's going to try to prove himself and it's going to overstep his bounds and he's going to get hurt or die, which is what happens. But I kind of thought, I don't know, the whole thing is kind of dumb. He jumps on the plane, he's trying to punch through the cockpit (laughs) instead of just knocking the plane down or, I don't know, it was weird. It was like, why didn't he just grab Neferi out of the cockpit and then jump out and let let, uh, Banshee catch him? It, It seemed weird... The whole thing was was kind of strange. That I didn't, so I didn't really like the death. I mean, I don't know. It seems like he could have died better. I guess this is a is a better yeah, way to put that. I I, I kind of liked it. I kind of I like the idea of him kind of constantly comparing himself to Wolverine. Yeah, and I feel like. In his mind, this is something maybe Wolverine would have done. And he might have. He would have done it differently. He would have used his claws and cut the plane up to pieces and right. and survived the fall. And I think literally, I don't, I'm not sure what Claremont had in mind with the, with the kind of the soliloquy, as you put it. But I feel like Thunderbird expects to come out of this victorious and prove what a great X-Men he is. Yeah. I don't see it as like a dumb suicide mission. No, I don't. I don't. Or, th- I don't think so either. I think he fully expects. Well, know, just like when he took that funny, jump earlier. Well, you know, just like the jump, and you know, when we first meet him, you know, we joked in his dumb that he was wrestling a buffalo right. to the ground. Right. And I think somehow in his mind, he literally intended to like wrestle this plane to the ground. Yeah. Like, it's just another big animal he's taking down. I don't even think he was really to a point when he kind of loses it and goes after like what it talks about tearing up the controls of the plane and stuff. I think it's almost even not about Nefaria anymore at that point. Right. Like, it's about him proving that he can he can land this thing. And I find like in his mind, the last scene is the plane... Not completely tore up, but wrecked on the ground. Nefaria kind of knocked out in the cockpit, and Thunderbird's standing like in a Superman pose <laughs> next to the plane. Like I think that's how he saw it playing out. And I don't know. I, I feel like I don't know how they're going to do it exactly. I haven't read ahead yet. I'm kind of hoping they this death plays into. I mean, it's going to rock the team. And that's why I was kind of asking if you thought Wolverine knew about what Thunderbird was doing, because will he take it to heart that, well, this guy was trying to copy me. Not that it's his fault, but will he feel remorse about that or or yeah. even even guilt that he doesn't deserve? Because you know, it's one thing heroes do a lot is feel guilty about things that weren't really their fault. Right. And so I don't know. So part of it is maybe just speculation on what's coming. But I don't know. And then, yeah, it's kind of dumb, but I don't know. I kind of liked it too. And I liked him arguing with Professor X, kind of, and ignoring like the rational thing to do because it wouldn't have right. made sense for him to just get out of the way, let Banshee take the plane down. Right. But then that doesn't make him the best X Men. Right. It make it make. Yeah, and I agree with with everything you're saying. And I think overall, like everything up, I, I guess what I didn't like is the. 
the the moment of his death. The, right. the fact that the plane explodes and he dies. I, I would have rather have him not exploded in the air and actually only exploded when it hit the ground. Yeah, yeah, it like, crashed. To me, that minor difference would have made a big deal. Yeah, because I guess to me, I don't know, the whole thing is it didn't seem like... But, no, just to scratch that. I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that it, it, it does make sense and the the whole idea of him proving, trying to prove himself to the point of death because he wasn't a very good X-Men. Well, yeah, and beyond ration. Like, beyond. like his plan makes no sense. Right. But he's so obsessed with yeah, with showing that he belongs on this team when, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like you said, he wasn't a fantastic X-Men. And yeah. But it's weird because he didn't want to be on the team. I mean, in the beginning, he didn't want to be on the team. He was right. mad about it. He was, you know, just kind of like whatever... But yeah, we we suddenly get he gets into this massive competition with Wolverine that Wolverine probably doesn't even know about. Right, which is normally how those things go. Yeah, when someone is is not yeah. perceived but actually superior, he doesn't usually notice the people competing with him. Right, right. Yeah, and so yeah, so it's a it's a fitting death overall. I think, like I I still think the moment of death is dumb, but but okay. the the otherwise I, I agree with you that the overall, the trajectory of the story, all of that. I think it works well. Yeah. So. And of course, it's the, uh, it's the first X-Men that dies ever. Wow, that's true. So it's a pretty big moment. It's the first teammate they lose. That's got to, you know, really shape things. Also, you know, there's an old expression in comics that's not true anymore. They used <laughs> to say, nobody stays dead but Bucky. Right. Because Bucky, until a few years ago... Had been dead since, right? You know, the early fifties, maybe late forties. But yeah, mean. he came. But he came back. But he came back as a Winter Soldier. But actually, Thunderbird. Besides a brief stint of of, there was a storyline in X Force called Necrotia, a few years ago, where basically, the Phalanx, the techno organic mm-hmm. virus thing, kind of made some zombies out of old heroes and X-Men. Yeah. So, but other than a brief stint as a reanimated corpse with no, not which I don't count as actually being him. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't count that either. Thunderbird's actually, and they cheat a little bit by making his little brother Warpath be pretty much the exact same character. Yeah. So they kind of bend the rule a little bit. It really but, didn't make any sense to bring, but bring stri- him back. But strictly speaking, Thunderbird is, has actually stayed dead yeah. the whole time. And that part's kind of cool and rare in a comic book, and especially rare for X-Men. True. Because X-Men, I mean, they come back all the time. Yeah. Yeah, they're always coming back to life. So I thought that, so I don't know, part of it is just knowing the history makes me like it a little bit better. But I don't know. I mean, there's cheesy, there's a lot of tropes in this in this issue. Yeah. But they're enjoyable tropes. I enjoy seeing the X-Men square off against kind of their counterpart. But then Claremont kind of turned it on his ear. Because none of the X Men or none of the Animen were actually defeated by the people they were fighting. Right. Well, they had those great te- teamwork pair offs. Right. Which I thought yeah. Worked and really almost well. kind of the like switching of kind right. of what you would expect. Yeah, I I like that too. All right. So overall, what would you what would you rank it? I think I I stick with two on this one, just like okay. the first one. I think the same same applies that you have some cheesiness, some silliness. The whole plan of Nefaria in the first place is, is weird and unclear. Right. Um, I still, 
like I said, the moment of death, the kind of blowing up in the plane is, is kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't, And I don't really know what else they could have done. I keep saying that, but I don't really know what else other than a crash landing. I think to me that would have been, that would have cemented it as a good death as yeah, opposed I to think, kind of I a... I think that's probably, that would have been better. But either way, um, but yeah, otherwise the whole idea behind it, it's, it's really good. So, but I think yeah. there's enough... Enough detractors. There's enough. Well, yeah. There's enough of this. Just kind of the dumbness of Nefaria and the Animen. Right. To me, that alone makes it made it a little bit less interesting. Right. Than it would have otherwise been. Okay. So I'll right. stick with that. I'm gonna go a little bit above. I'm gonna go a little bit above you this time. A. I thought I liked Cockrum's art in both issues, but I thought the second issue it was really. Good for ninety percent of the issue. Yeah, the art was just really, really fantastic. Was pretty, Um, was very solid. And I don't know. I just I like where the story ends up. I like where it it takes the team. It 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 does things with an X Men team that had never been done before. I really enjoyed that aspect. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna. It's it's a weak three claws, but I'm gonna go ahead and give it three out of three claws. Yeah, I would I would agree with that too. If you if you did two and a half, I think it would. Yeah, if I did have claws, I'd probably do two and a half. Two point seven six. Right. <laughs> okay, so we didn't do the backup story uh, from Classic X Men Two. Oh, by the way, I should clarify. So we gave we both gave X Men ninety four two out of two claws, and X Men ninety five, you're giving two out of three, and I'm giving three out of three. Yeah, a strong two. Okay. You gave it a weak three. So, so yeah. So going to the classic X-Men, we didn't do the backup in classic X-Men number two because Wolverine's not in it. It's basically just Jean Grey and Storm bonding. Okay, but we are going to um, talk about the backup in classic X-Men number three by uh, Chris Claremont and John Bolton. And it's basically, it's called Mourning, and it's basically the X-Men mourning the loss of their, their first casualty. Um, Funeral. Right. A funeral episode or something. Get this. Um, basically, it starts off with Professor X <laughs> somehow has wheeled himself out into the desert again. <laughs> but um, he's come to mourn his, his first student that's died. He talks about how naive he was to think that he could keep sending the X-Men all these crazy missions and never lose anybody. And now he has. And he talks about how he hardly knew John Proudstar, but now here he is at his funeral. And he talks about how how his telepathy is a blessing and a curse. That he was in full psionic rapport with Thunderbird when the young Apache died. Every moment, every facet of that ultimate experience was shared between them. For the lucky one, it ended. For the other, it never... Really... (laughs) (laughs) That was a painful experience. Luckily, one of us died... Me, I didn't die. I'm so unlucky. Yeah, it's, he, he's the suffering survivor. Right. Well, that was interesting that Jean Grey shows up. And he, of course, Professor X thanks her for coming. And she goes, how could I not? I'm a telepath too, Professor. I heard your psychic cry of anguish. <laughs> I know. So was this the fastest she could get there? I don't know. <laughs> she heard his cry of pain, and then a few weeks later, she comes over. Is this weeks later? I don't, I don't know. know what this is. I mean, he's all the way out of the desert, so it took him a little while, I would think. <laughs> I don't think he wheeled himself from New York. 
I'm just kidding. I'm sure they're using black. I like how, just like with the, when we looked at the giant size of the classic version of that, the backup story about how it gets, it just, the datedness of the art. Yeah. It jumps. This so, so 80s. You know, it jumps very, up to the 80s. Very 80s. Xavier's got the blanket over his knees, which they didn't do that in the earlier ones. Right. So much. And she's got this little leather shoulder pad suit with a <laughs> right no cowboy hat, hat no 70s cowboy hat right got the, yeah it's just kind of funny the short hair everything and she talks about losing one of her friends and going through a similar experience but then they hear a cry from the station and they run down and basically someone has stolen John Proudstar's body so the X-Men are going to go out and try to look for it Cyclops is wearing his glasses. Beast looks like a private detective with a little... Uh, I think it's Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah, Nightcrawler. With yeah. a little trench coat. He's and trying to hide his devilishness. I guess so. Devilishness. Yeah. And Storm's got, like, complete desert garb on. I know. I guess she's in a mourning outfit. Yeah, maybe so. I like the Wolverine, though, the 80s Wolverine. Yeah, with the, yeah like the, Indiana Jones. Yeah, like <laughs> kind of cowboy hat with the leather jacket. Right. And so the priest yeah. offers to call the police, but Cyclops says, no, the X-Men will find him. But his parents, uh, Proud Star's parents, ask him not to worry about it. Pr- pretty much say, uh, you've done enough. <laughs> Just leave us alone and go away. And then Wolverine decides he's going to go track it all down with his senses. Cyclops objects because the parents objected. But Wolverine says, I'm going to... He says, then stay, bub. Me, I was taught a team takes care of its own. <laughs> That's a very Wolverine thing to yeah. say. He takes off yeah. his jacket, which is funny. Yeah. It's also very Wolverine. to kind of just go out on his own and yeah. do, do what he thinks is right regardless. He really is. And Storm says, I don't like the way Wolverine's doing it, but I agree. And Cyclops says they should tag along. (laughs) (laughs) He says, if only to keep the obnoxious little runt out of trouble. So they go out looking at him. Professor X says he's going to monitor them telepathically. And they suspect they read the parents' minds. And the parents think that the little brother, James Proudstar, took the body. So the X-Men go out to find them, and they <laughs> turn into their uniforms, except for Wolverine. So Wolverine finds a scent that's male and Apache, similar to Johnny's, which I don't remember him ever calling him Johnny, no. but younger, and he's trying to cover his tracks. The Banshee <laughs> flies above, and with this, eee! <laughs> Wolverine's like, remind me never to take you on a mission <laughs> to yeah. sneak up on anybody. <laughs> Colossus is in his 80s suit Yes Well no it's actually in, in the same They actually did a good job That's the same suit from the current issue Oh with, yeah With the blue leggings and, That's right because he doesn't have the Yeah I got him and I, I kind of forgot how him and Nightcrawl Used to have the exact same shoulder yeah, pads Yeah little V little V neck Yeah and the, the points on the shoulders Yeah that's funny so Banshee, of course, feels guilty. He feels like it's if he had done more, he could have saved Thunderbird. But then he says, but he chose to stay with that play until the end. What demons drove you to such a mad decision, laddie? If I'd been a better friend, I might have helped you fight them off. 
And then miles behind <laughs> Wolverine and Banshee, they're in Colossus and Nightcrawler just kind of walking around. And they catch up to uh, Cyclops. So then we see younger brother James doing um, some sort of Apache burial ritual. And Wolverine sees him but decides not to interrupt. Then he wants him to be able to do his thing. And then he finds a picture of him from the Marines. Uh, talks about how he went to war before he was too young. So I guess it's just Claremont trying to say that he was always trying to prove himself. Yeah, that sounds um, right. And then Wolverine surmises that something happened to him in the war and it cut the heart out of him. And he says, and then he kind of says what I would expect him to say and kind of what I thought, you know, I was kind of surprised that Cyclops was the one that, at the end of the issue that said it comes with the uniform. Yeah. That kind of sounds like something Wolverine would say. And he kind of yeah. said. He kind of takes the line here. He goes, life isn't a game, boy. You wear a man's boots, shoulder a man's responsibility, you take the consequences. It's the lesson all the X-Men better take to heart real flaming quick. <laughs> so he goes back to the X-Men and tells them there's nothing really here going on, just leave them be. And then we see James holding the uniform and swearing revenge on the white man and the bald white man, Professor X, he will have his revenge. He <laughs> swears vengeance on the X-Men. Yeah. So um, that's where we stop. Uh, what do you think about that one? It's pretty good. It's Yeah, it wasn't bad. It could have been better. I mean, I don't know if it could have been better, but it's, 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 not, it's not super interesting. It's kind no. of almost like I don't, I don't really know why they bothered. I understand, like, like I guess, because I don't think in the – Real continuity, they really give Thunderbird much of a eulogy. Yeah. They move on from it pretty quick. The ramifications of his death last in yeah. the story, but they don't really like give him a funeral or whatever. Like nowadays, whenever some, a hero dies, there's like a whole funeral issue and blah, blah, right. blah. So I think Claremont's kind of just trying to shut wedge that story in and say, well, the X Men did care. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's, it, it was like you said, it's. It ma- the the death matters, and this makes it more makes it make more sense why it matters. Right. Because in the actual the original comics, no one talks to Thunderbolt hardly at all. Right. There's no, almost no interactions between him and, and a lot of the people. You don't. I mean, he's just kind of a he's just kind of angry the whole time, and no one really. So it's like there's not really the you don't really understand why people are so upset. Right. I mean, you do, but you don't because it's it's not like. He was a beloved member of the team, or one people were deeply connected to. But then that story is trying to show that actually behind the scenes, well, it shows that Thunderbird had like a history and yeah, that that, that some, he had some these... attempt at character development besides just I have to prove myself and I'm going right. to die. Well, and he had these moments with everyone, right? And they want to add to well, he doesn't have a family. He had the stuff of the war. He's kind of adding more to why is he this kind of manic person who's trying to prove himself and then immediately hates himself and then proves right. himself. You know, Why is he like that? That's trying to show that. I don't think he does a great job. I, I don't really like it. Yeah, um, I don't, it's, it's just kind of a okay. I appreciate the attempt yeah, yeah. to kind of flesh out the character a little bit and give some history. I, I feel like, though, in the span of three backup stories... We went from Thunderbird confronting everybody to walking around being depressed. Right. And it makes sense, kind of, but I don't know. I, I feel like 
I don't really feel like he would have opened up to the X-Men like he did. Yeah. You know, even after this time, I don't, because er- everything he says in the, in the actual comic is all to himself. Right. Uh, there's no instance at all of him explaining his actions or why he feels certain ways about anything. I mean, you get Storm this, gets seems to kind of get it after the jump. Yeah, well, in this one, he, he it's funny because he explains himself while trying to be closed off. I don't really think it comes across. Yeah. Like, as he looks down, and he's real mysterious and vague with Storm, but he's still, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree just, with you. I didn't really like this one. It's not it's not very well done. I mean, it's just, like you said, it, it's it's a good, I get what they're trying to do. Whoever right. Whoever put that one together, either it wasn't ready or they just weren't good at doing that. I mean, it's Claremont, and yeah. there's some, cla- like the front of it is kind of solid Claremont, just talking about Professor X and being connected with him and whatever, and the dialogue's not bad. It just, I guess to me, in a weird way, for a character we really barely knew, it doesn't really feel like Thunderbird to me. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of where it kind of lost me a little bit. And and the whole thing with the steel in the body, why well, didn't they just bury him like an Apache? Well, I don't know what, what James was doing. Well, because it seemed like he's doing some kind of ritual. Right. And it seems like the parents Right, right. Oh, that. why did the X-Men just do that originally? Is that what you're asking? No, I'm saying why did the why did the parents not just have him buried in this traditional way instead of the, the other son stealing it? Like, to me, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, They're going to have this regular burial with a priest. I don't priest. know enough about the ritual and what it is. Maybe... Um, See, maybe that would have been something to touch on is when he was hanging out with a white man in the war, did he, I don't know. I mean, it is a reservation. There's always kind of a a Catholic presence there. So it makes sense to have a priest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I guess it... I guess if they were going to do that, they should have done more. I want, with well, I'm wondering maybe, maybe that should have been the focus of the story. I'm wondering more. if maybe... Yeah, it should have been. I'm wondering if maybe the parents... We're just gonna have a regular burial, and the brother was like, "No, we we can't." Yeah, maybe and so. And the parents didn't act like they were because when Professor X read their mind, they suspected that James took the body. Yeah, but they didn't seem to be bothered by it. They didn't seem to be bothered, but they didn't seem like it was their idea to go off and do the Apache thing either. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it was. I just wasn't well. It just wasn't a very well put together story. I mean, yeah, plain I and simple. I think. Anyway, I'm not, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it one out of three claws. What about you? Yeah, for the for the side yeah. story alone. Yeah, I think that's definitely yeah. a one claw. All right, cool. Well, um, let's go to wrap up. We're just pretty late. We've gone pretty long. I got some editing to do on this one. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug your uh, your podcast again so people can get it? All right. Well, I do a. We do a podcast called the History Banter Podcast. Uh, we, me and another guy, um, basically review history-themed movies and TV shows and different things like that. Um, we've done like five different podcasts or four different ones. Number five comes out pretty quick. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on our website, historybanter.com. Um, Jason here is going to be on one here pretty soon. We're going to do some looking at the, the ways in which comic books reflect uh, their time in history, which 
on these ones that I've done here with Jason, we've done a fair amount of that, but right. we're going to kind of focus on it specifically and kind of look at things like the X-Men and civil rights, um, Captain America and World War II, you know, different things like that. So, uh, But anyway, so if you're interested in, in that kind of thing, check it out. And of course, um, if you're getting this off of iTunes, you can find show notes and links at the website for me. That's uh, www.snickcast.podbean.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Snickcast. Facebook is facebook.com backslash Snicked Podcast fan page. And of course, email at uh, snickcast at yahoo.com. Um, those are all the ways you can kind of get in touch. Uh, we've had a little bit more activity on the Facebook page, so let's kind of, I like hearing from people. So if you have anything you want to say or complain about or you agree with us or disagree with us. or You're sick of hearing me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we get, <laughs> we get more listeners when you're on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, vote you well. Um, anyway, um, so f- yeah, feel free to reach out and get your, get yourself heard. Any, um. Any emails or anything like that, I'll, of course, will read on future episodes. I haven't got to do that yet, so if you want to be the first, get your email in. And um, All right, well, I'm going to cut us there, so um, thank you very much, Cameron, for doing this again. Yeah, no problem. Um, I don't know what order these next couple episodes are going to come out in yet, so I don't know what will be next, but it'll be something good. So um, whether it'll be a current book or another old book. I think as far as the flashback stuff, I'm going to do a little chunk next time. Um, probably like four or five issues and just kind of skim over what Wolverine does in them real fast. So um, that'll come up probably sometime next month. So anyway, uh, take care of yourselves and uh, hugs and snicked. Snicks. <laughs> hugs and snicks. <laughs> Whatever. Bye. <laughs>